Well, sorry I did not do a show um, for Tuesday, but or Wednesday, really, for that matter. But we'll get one today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decided to make Big Sky Sports Talk part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the full coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do it a little bit differently. We do it from big sky country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it. And it's all presented by Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Billings. There, two plugs in one. Um, yeah, I apologize for not doing a Tuesday um, or Wednesday show. Uh, Tuesday, uh, what's the what happened Tuesday? Mm, I, what did I do Tuesday as to why I didn't do a show? Or no, well, okay, I did do a Tuesday. I didn't do a um a Wednesday show. And I didn't do a Wednesday show because um, I uh, um, I worked a little late um, uh, Tuesday night going, you know, setting me up to record, you know, late Tuesday night for a dropping of a Wednesday show, if that makes any sense. Um, and then... Uh, I worked, um, wait, no, I didn't, I didn't work late. I, I did help, uh, Dustin with some things, um, uh, Tuesday night. That's right. That's what I did. I went to the church, so I, I didn't do one. And then, uh, I worked from 5 a.m. uh, Wednesday morning to, um, 6.30 p.m., um uh last night so um that that's the reason for no for no uh um wins you know wednesday show um you know part of it anyway um but it, it you know it's thursday it's a thursday edition of big sky sports talk um we're mainly though we're mainly going to cover you know everything but Suns and ASU basketball um, because even though um, it's now Thursday and they played last night, I don't have the sound that I need uh, from them yet. So we'll do that um, for tomorrow's show. Um, so that that's kind of where we are. I mean, and, and just be honest, it's nine thirty p.m. Wednesday night. Like I got off work a couple of hours ago, watched the Suns game, um, but I I just don't have the sound that I need for it. Um, and uh, obviously, even though it's still rather early in the night, by the time you guys are listening to this, it will be Thursday, and and um, the sound will have been processed, but. Um, I won't, uh, I won't have it. So, uh, yeah, I hope that all makes sense. Uh, big day for me today. Uh, and that's it. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm excited and, uh, maybe more to come 
by by Monday, maybe. So uh I think that's that's could be accurate. We'll we'll see. We'll see how how uh this afternoon goes. I might be mentioning it for tomorrow's show. Uh other than that, just a lot of work. A lot of work last night. Like I said, five AM to six thirty. A PM. It's a new re- a personal record for myself as far as a uh, you know long day, um, time and a half for majority of those hours because I came in three hours early and I worked an hour and a half later than what I normally would have. So you know four and a half hours of of overtime just in one day. Uh, so that that is that's something I'm super excited about. Uh, but other than that, yeah, um, thing, things are going pretty good. Uh, sound credits, we do have some, uh, quite a bit actually, a lot, a lot, a lot of Cardinals. We'll, uh, end the show with Cardinals. Um, probably, probably an hour and a half of Cardinals at least, if I had to guess. Uh, we do, we do have some Coyotes, they, they played the other night. And so we'll we'll talk about them briefly. Have some highlights from that, um, and then we'll uh, have uh, um, ASU football uh, with Kennedy Dillingham from Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, then all the rest. It and that that's uh, from Sun Devil Source. Uh, yeah, Sun Devil Source. The um, uh, Coyotes we have is. Uh, the NHL YouTube page and the Arizona Card or Arizona Cardinals uh, Arizona Coyotes. It'd be amazing if AZ Cardinals gave us uh, Coyotes sound. That'd actually be rather impressive. But um, the Coyotes YouTube page gets the credit for that as long as well as the NHL YouTube page. Um, and then everything else is uh, azcardinals.com. And the uh, Arizona Sports YouTube page for all all the Cardinals, but like I said, it is it's quite a bit, quite a bit um, that we have. Um, when when you activate your your franchise quarterback, you know there there's a lot to to cover over that. A lot of a lot of opinions to go through, a lot of storylines to cover. So uh, that's that's what we'll end the show with. So uh, with all that being said. I appreciate you guys. I, you know, like I said, I hope hope I earn your forgiveness for you know letting you down. I, I know I said I was going to have a consistent week, and what I do, I don't have a consistent week, so I apologize. But um, we have uh, Coyotes up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the cheddar bacon barbecue burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good... I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. 
He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Coyotes uh, won the other night. Uh, Tuesday night, they uh, were the only uh, game in action, the only team in action for uh, Arizona sports, and um, it was good to see that they got themselves a win in, in a shootout. Uh, 4-3 uh, was the the final uh, over the Kraken. Um, it was a, a great home win. Um, in fact, in 40 seconds in, Kraken score. Um, and then there, and then six minutes and seven seconds, and there's that guy again, Matisse Michelli with Nick Bukestead, uh, to tie it up. And that would end the, uh, um, uh, first period, uh, second period, um, Barrett Hayton on a power play, three minutes and 59 seconds in, uh, with, uh, Clayton Keller on the assist. It's two to one. And then uh, about a minute later, the Kraken tied up 2-2 in the third. Uh, Kraken admit at the minute and 16-second mark on a power play, take the lead 3-2. But then Keller in uh, less than a, a minute later on a power play with Nick Schmoltz uh, tied up. And then uh, no goals scored in the overtime period. Uh, and then in the shootout, Nick Schmoltz with a wrist shot uh, misses. Uh, then a wrist shot by the Kraken misses. Um, Nick Bugstead uh, scores a goal with a wrist shot. Then uh, Seattle um, takes a wrist shot and uh, Connor Ingram saves it. And then uh, Kells, Clayton Keller, backhand, uh, but unfortunately it's saved by the Kraken. And then um, now do or die for Seattle. It was a backhand, but saved by Connor Ingram. And um, that one um, by uh, Nick Bugstead. Uh, is all they would need because of the save uh, by Connie, Connie, Connor Ingram. As far as uh, team stats go, Seattle, 38 shots on goal with uh, 11 block shots. They had uh, 31 faceoffs, uh, one. Uh, Coyotes, 27 shots on goal. With 15 block shots, 31 safe uh, faceoffs, one as well. Uh, Coyotes had four power play converted on two. Uh, Seattle three, and they had one. Uh, Seattle six penalties for 12 minutes. Uh, Coyotes five penalties for 10 minutes, and uh, five takeaways. And uh, 16 giveaways for the Coyotes, four takeaways and five giveaways for Seattle. And here is uh, 
is how the game went down. Dermott and now Lawson Krauss. That double will get it out. The Coyotes look to get it through center. Here they come. Right back. Dermott shoots and a stop Joey to Gord. Oh, great shot there by Dermott getting up in the attack. The other way, a two on O. Oh, Gord, Gord, back to the front. They score. Ellie Tolman in one nothing. Seattle on a complete breakdown in the neutral zone. Is a miscue. Two Coyotes defensemen. Caught off. Dermott went for the rush, and here's the two on O. Oh. Look at the movement. Tick tock towing it around. And Holman finally puts this one in, and Connor Ingram, my goodness, no chance. Now Kerfoot. And he'll send it down, and Kerfoot and finally gets to the bench. Here's an opportunity. Michelli over the line. What a shot, Nicole! Matthias Michelli posted in. We're tied at one. So pretty to watch. He's on an eight-game tear. Give me the puck. He gets it in full gallop, and he uses Larson as a screen. What a play. That might go off the left skate of Larson. And eludes. Goes back out high. Valimaki trying to force it down, intercepting Bjorkstrand, and it's brought out by Yanni Gord. Gore trying to force it to the front. It's underneath and in the crease. Sports free into the corner. Coney with it. Turnover Wenberg. And now Wenberg shoots up high. Cartier trying to buy the rebound for Seattle. And here's finished with 57 points, 27 goals. But Matthias Michelli, he wasn't far behind. And Michelli, what, missed 15, 17 games. Back out high. Dumoulin shoots. Is it in? No! Side of the net! Oh, Nick Keller might have saved a goal. You betcha. Bringing everything in front of Connor Ingram and Clayton Keller to the rescue. That's when this group is at their best. Turnover Tolvanen for Bjorkstrand. Little drop. Larson getting it up with Ingram. Oh, was that a save by Connor Ingram? Didn't get all of it, but got a big enough piece. Now Yanni Gord with it. Turnover. Carconi to the front. Carconi. Oh, and he can't get it past the cord. Come back the other way. Watch Carconi. He gets it. Right here. There's a better look at it. And he just bobbles it. It goes off the blade of his stick, and he can't get a handle on it. And once he does, it's it's too late. To able to penetrate inside that box. Great effort there by Boyd. Carcone keeps the play alive. To the line, Moser. And across to the front, Cooley. Skating through the crease. Took a couple cross checks. There was the earlier chance. There's Cooley right there in front. Wenberg takes him down. Schmaltz will bring it back. Lead pass, Hayton. Nick Schmaltz. The trailer. Dermott with a shot off the pipe. Keller, Hayton, Schmaltz, Cooley, and Dursey out there. The redirect just wide by Keller. Dursey again. Keller with a shot and a goal!
little real puck movement here by the Coyotes up high. Jersey involved, and of course, Nick Smoltz involved as well. Jersey quarterback in this, Keller to Smoltz, back to Keller. See you later. No chance for Decord. Look at the movement. That's what makes up a great four check, and here comes Kraus. And the Veneers weaving through the neutral zone. He brings it in. Back out high. And a goal! Justin Schultz, and it's 2-2. After the good board check, Veneers finds Schultz up high in that quiet area. And this has to have gone off of something. That's Kerfitt's foot right off the right skate. And yeah, that was a close call for Joey Decord. How good has Logan Cooley been tonight? Across and a one-timer sliding save, Connor Ingram. Hammer, that's a goaltender for you. Cross for Tolvin, and he's got one of the two Seattle goals here tonight. Back out high, Vince Dunn. And across, Veneers. Across, it's in, rebound, they score. Schwartz had the redirect, and he bangs home the rebound for a power play goal, and it's 3-2 Seattle. And people to the front of the net. They get this puck back. And once Schwartz in front, he opens up, he gets it. I believe he bangs it off the post on the redirection. Oh, yeah, right off the post, right back to him. And Connor Ingram had to bite on it, slides right over, and couldn't get back in time. That went off Belmar. That puck just rolled up on Keller just as he let it go. Out high for Dersey. And across it goes. Cooley. Little drop, Dersey. Into the middle, Keller! Star! Clayton Keller! A power play goal! What a beauty, it's tied again! That is gross. Almost a, the first power play goal. Watch this exchange, Keller smokes back to Keller to the back of the net. And this time it goes directly in. Here's a good angle of it. On and off the stick so quick. Almost nine minutes gone here in this third period. Bouncing in front. Back to the line. Borgen. Side of the net. Everly up high. A stop. Connor Ingram. Johnny Ford into the corner and sent around. Denied there and right back comes Kerfoot. Kerfoot will drop it. McBain across. Kerfoot! McBain! Oh, they can't finish it off on Decord. Oh, what a play by Kerfoot. This is when it gets interesting, boy. What it's all about. Wenberg brings it right to the line. Little drop. Morgan. Oh, the defenseman. Minute and a half remaining in regulation. Comes in front. Boyd. Loose puck. Boyd! Trying to get it by. Oh, Cooley was there as well. Oh, what an opportunity. This line's been sniffing all night long. Cooley will poke it down the boards. Kind of lost his edge. Beneers the other way. Look out. Beneers. Beneers is in. He stopped that time. Connor Ingram, maybe a game saver. Oh, not done by heads up play there. Yeah, beneficial it is here tonight. So offensive on that blue line. There's a chance over the line. Krause is there. Krause! 
He's robbed by Decord. What a stop. Stride by Lawson Kraus and four goals in his last three games. This is who you want shooting the pill right there. Right in the mitt of Decord who just gets enough of this one. That great. Well, here comes Nick Bukestad. And he'll skate it in. Second shooter. Score! The fake shot. He gets the cord to bite. Down he goes into a snow angel. Fish out of water. And Bukestad. So the veteran Jordan Everly. And he'll bring it in with speed. Everly is in. Stopped by Ingram. Coyotes win. It's always exciting when you go into overtime and then you go into a shootout and you, you get the win. And because of the overtime win, the Coyotes, they move up a couple spots. They are now fourth in the Central. Colorado uh, is eight and three. Dallas seven and seven, three and one with the overtime loss. And Winnipeg six and four and two overtime losses. Uh, and then there's your Coyotes six and five with one overtime loss, um, and that has earned them. 13 points so uh gotta keep on climbing but uh it, it's it's so exciting i you know i don't know if you uh got that feel uh you know listening to to those uh highlights and and whatnot but it's just it's good stuff well um uh, we because the coyotes have been awesome and putting sound up we have um andre turney uh nick bukestead and um uh, barrett hayton uh all spoke to the media um i'll interject as needed like i've done before uh well i've only done coyote sound uh twice so far but if something interests me, then I'll butt in, but we'll go ahead and get it kicked off. I was just talking to Nick about just, it felt like you guys had to come out of here with two points tonight. I know it's November, but the way things have been going, is that accurate? Yeah, 100%. I think obviously going on this road trip coming up here, having this homestand, you really want to take advantage of it. Um, massive game, like you said, those two points are are huge and um, yeah we definitely didn't want to leave tonight without this. This had uh, so many twists and turns how did you guys manage some of the, the twists and turns that went their way? Yeah for sure I think it's something we've talked about um, a couple times here in the last couple of weeks just sticking with it obviously we want to play a complete 60 minutes but um, there's going to be lapses we, we want to limit those obviously but um, just sticking with it and bouncing back trying to keep it to maybe a minute or two mm -hmm. of the lapses opposed to that stretching into two, three, four shifts, like, um, I think that's so huge being able to cut those off, and I think we did a pretty good job with with that tonight. Speaking of sticking with it, how did you get through this portion of the season? Everyone's been talking about you and everything that you're doing outside of getting on the score sheet and goal. So how did you manage that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I want to score. I want to produce um, without a doubt. At the same time, 
you just got to kind of trust the process there. Um, stick with what you're doing. Obviously, I feel like I can impact the game more than just scoring and um, producing on the on the score sheet, but um, obviously nice to, to bear that one. Tell us about that play. Clayton Keller couldn't wait to tell me between periods that it was yours. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's great. Um, no, I, I think you saw it on that third goal as well. Mm -hmm. um, trying to use, utilize Schmalti in the bumper. He does such a good job kind of being deceptive in there. And um, yeah, saw it on that third goal. Kel scoring that and obviously similar play on, on mine, but just being able to uh, move that puck quick, use that bumper, and uh, just freeze a ton up. There you go. Uh, had you been able to stay out of the mental games that can sometimes come with not finding the score sheet? Have you been able to stay focused, I guess, on all the other things that you need to do with that line? Uh, what do you mean by that? Just to, sometimes it can it can play on your mind, right, when you're, you're not on the score sheet. Have you been able to block that out? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, it's a thing. Um, at the same time, I think, um, these are such critical games right now and wanting to get off to a good start as a team that um, that personal stuff definitely comes second. Um, you want to focus on kind of playing a complete game, having an impact on, on games like I mentioned before and um, really that group success obviously at the same time like I mentioned being a competitor I want to produce, I want to score but um, yeah I mean it's so early you go through spells and, and stuff like that but um, keeping the main focus on, on the group and um, taking advantage of these games and this homestand and, and all that. And, um, obviously, it's on your mind, um, but I mean, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Speaking of that, this is the uh, get um, Obviously, it's no secret that, you know, hockey is my, my weakest point. But I mean, that's, that's a simple, you know, simple question. And it kind of an interesting one. It was kind of, you know, basically asking, uh, um in 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 times like this of when when you know you're you don't see your name on the uh on a score sheet doing a whole lot uh, whether it's you know shots on goal or so assists goals themselves um it, is it is it important and obviously you know um Barrett Hayton, uh, you know, answering the question the only way you really can, and 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 because you know it is it is early and it's important to get wins, and you know your 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 personal goals and stats, you know, should never be greater than than the team uh, goal and 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 stats. Um, and besides that, when you know when you're when you're trying to do it for you you're going to grip your stick a little tighter and that's when that's when errors happen but when you're you know uh playing within yourself and within the the offense within the defense um you know those those personal goals they they just they come naturally um and uh, just the most important thing is is you know you you can't put the the team uh or you can't put yourself ahead of the team yeah huge um like i mentioned obviously having this home stand you want to take advantage of those um having a break obviously having a couple of days to get a little bit of rest before this um long road trip um leaving tonight 
with a win is, is so big and um, definitely something to build on here um, heading onto the road. Nick, I, I don't want to be the king of hyperbole, and I know it's November, but this felt like you guys had to come out here with two points tonight. Yeah, um, you know, we wanted to end on a good note before this road trip, and, uh, you know, we had a few days to pre prepare for this team, and, um, you know, we did a good job of, uh, you know, doing the right things at most points in the game. I think we uh, weathered the storm, and, um, Ingie came up huge for us in situations where we didn't. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a back-and-forth game. They had chances. We had our chances. But, uh, you know, huge to come up with the two points before this road trip. How did your group respond after giving up that goal in the first minute? Yeah, that was tough. Uh, yeah, and I kind of take responsibility for it. It was a... Uh, you know, hard to give up a two on all start the game. Um, so definitely, um, you know, you don't grip the stick tighter, but you uh, you know you got to make up for it. So you know, Chelly had a nice goal not not too long later, and um, you know, like I said, we kind of went back and forth with them all night. So it's 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 good to see this team, uh, you know, be in those tight games against good teams like this and and come out on top. Outside of that play, how has the game found you of late? Um, you know, it's it's nice uh, playing with line mates that you're comfortable with. You know what uh, they're doing. They're they're predictable for me at least. I don't think they are for the other team. And uh, you know, Krausers get just unbelievably good all around the puck. And you know, Chelly was known for his passing last year, and now he's he's ripping it. So it's uh, it's fun to see him shooting the puck and being a little uh, little more selfish in a good way. Um, you know, so it's it's good. Um, you know, just fun playing with those guys. They make it easy, and um, when we play the right way usually good things happen how have you guys supported Barrett Hayton waiting for that first goal yeah I mean Barrett's been through it he uh you know he ended great last year and uh, you know we've all been through spurts where we're not scoring even though we might be getting chances so um you know he's he's mature enough for a 22 23 year old whatever he is to to get through it and um you know, he doesn't pout. He, he comes to the rink working harder and harder each day. So um, we're all happy for him, and you, you don't doubt him for a minute. You know, he does a lot of little things that, uh, you know, a lot of people might not notice. So, um, you know, when he's not scoring, he's still contributing in, in a big way for this team. Lastly for me, do you have, like, stick him on, on that? <laughs> How in the world do you hold on to that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to give the secret okay, away, but uh, okay. it's not much of a secret, I guess, at this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm going to keep <laughs> – I'm not going to tell you I'm going to keep okay. doing it, but <laughs> no, I got, I, yeah, there's two moves basically off of that entry, but uh, it basically uh, goes off of how the goalie's sitting. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's working right now. So hopefully other goalies don't see this. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Well, Thanks, guys. up on that question, can you trace the exact time when you became a Hall of Fame shootout player? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I remember in college, we, we didn't even do shootouts, but we do them for fun, and I'd never win in my assistant coach uh gensel jake gensel's dad would always chirp me and said when you get to the nhl they're never going to put you in the shootout and uh i don't know i just i had a sometimes you score and you just get confidence from it and um i don't know i, I didn't really expect coming it's, into the league to be going and shootout so been showing up in practice though because we asked andre about this after the last time i think you did this he said so is nick you said the closer and he's like oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i went in a lot we had a lot of overtime uh shootout games when I was a young player in Florida. So I had a lot of reps. I think that helps and uh, helps with the nerves. But, uh, you know, and I talk with Schwabi a little bit, our goalie coach, on, on how the goalies are sitting, kind of what their style is, and um, that usually determines what's going on. So, yeah. It's huge, huge. Um, 
you know, you, you want to end on a good note at home. We want to be hard to play against at home and against a team like this. That uh, you know, it's a playoff team last year and a uh, very good team. So it's uh, it's a big one, and we'll, we'll take the positives from it for sure. Andre, I know there's 82 of them, but this one felt like it was a big one for your group. Just talking yeah. to the guys in there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think there's some night. You know, if you go back. 10 days or whatever, two weeks ago. We talk about even when you don't have your A game, you need to find a way, you need to crawl in and you need to, to dig deep and find a way to win. And I think we did that tonight. I don't, I won't pretend we play a, an excellent game, but we battle extremely hard and we crawl back and our uh, willingness to, to fight made a difference. How about the first steps of the crawl, if you will, when you're down less than a minute into the game, what did you see? Well, that, that was not exactly the way we drew it, you know. <laughs> yeah. they, 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 there's always stuff you want to improve, but they, unfortunately, they create in the first period exactly the way we pre-scout. So that is a little bit of a, a cons on the game. We, mm -hmm. we need to, when, I, when we talk about game management, that's the kind of thing. Let them find new ways to beat you, not exactly the, no, the, the way you know they will attack you. So that's a little bit of a downside, but... We respond. How big was Connor England tonight? That's huge. That's huge. He's, uh, he reads the play. And, and it was a tough game because they throw a lot of pucks at the net, go for tips, go for uh, scrap around the net. So that is never easy for the goalie because you cannot, especially a, a goalie who read the play like Iggy. He's really good at reading the play, but you cannot read broken play. So uh, credit to him. What will this game mean, do you think, for Barrett Hayden? You've been singing his praises for all the things he does, the intangibles outside of the goal and the score sheet. Yeah, I think, you know, eights battle hard and he worked hard and he's, he's part of a, our top line and mm -hmm. he, uh, eventually it will come, you know, the points will come. It's not, not something I'm that concerned about. I just want to keep his confidence, keep his head up and keep grinding like he did last mm -hmm. year. Give him credit. Uh, just to try to cut the, cut the slum into. <laughs> that power play, how lethal was it tonight to come with? Nick and yeah, that was great. That was really good. Uh, I think uh, the boys do a really good job, take a lot of pride in the power play. And the, the fact that we have two units or rolling, I think that'll help as well. Not in the sense of putting pressure on everybody, just make everybody um, comfortable and make everybody believe at any moment we can score. That's it for me. You guys have been road warriors to the nth degree already. This is a big one. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. You know, they need to win game. At some point, when you look at our number, underlying numbers, really good. Well, yeah, that's good. Coach happy. But it's not like you, you have moral victory that much. Once in a while, it's okay. But you need to find a way to, to win games and get points on the board. And uh, we did that. Andre, getting back to Barrett Hayden for a moment, how did you sense that he had handled this period where he just hadn't been able to find the score sheet? You talked about the things that he had done away from the puck, other things. But how did you think he handled Like a hell of a pro. Like a hell of a pro, I have no other way to put it. Is he he dig deep on every detail. He's if people could see Barrett Aiden every day, you know, even Clayton Keller, he, he lives with him, and I, at some point I was chirping him a little bit and everything. He said he keep me in line, you know. It is so perfect and everything. The way he the way he trained, the way he focused, the way he prepared. That that's good leadership, you know. He's a young guy. Uh, but he's an important player for us in the present and the future.
All right, what's the secret to Nick Bukestad's uh, shootout success now? Are you going to reveal this finally? Just make sure you delete that and make sure nobody talk about it <laughs> so we can go about our business and get points here and there. This, this is a guy you see do it in practice every day, though, right? Absolutely. He has a few moves. And same thing for Schmaltzy. You know, this week, they, you know, when, when we got the penalty shot against Montreal, we had our first line on the ice. Cool was on the ice. Kals was on the ice. Schmaltzy was on the ice. Uh, people from outside of Arizona, they asked me why. I said, that's, that's a no-brainer. If Schmaltz is on the ice, this, there's no other option. He's, he's really good at it. He has that, I won't shock you to say he has a lot of poise and a lot of composure and he, he's really smooth and he can process the hole and he, he can change his move at any time. So uh, we're fortunate to have a really good player like that. And Kels, Kels, he beat the goalie on that. He just just missed a shot. And I think Logan Cool is pretty good as well. He was next on the line. But, He's still in the bullpen. Only need him at some point. Yeah, I agree. They, there's a few things in terms of uh, cutting the possession of our opponent we address. And, you know, there's we were there, but there's a difference being there and being there with the drive, the grit you need to seal the play, to cut the play. It's not just to be above your guy and say, oh, I was above and didn't beat me. No, you need to cut the play. So I think we cut way more play today. We uh, we were really way more aggressive in our zone. That's a step forward. The biggest reason why, you know, that most of those questions being asked were um, were uh, from, um, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, da, 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 da. Man, what is his name? Um, Todd Walsh, he's been he's been covering Arizona sports for a long time. He's done uh, Diamondbacks for years. He you know for over the last uh, decade, half decade or so, he's kind of done more Coyotes coverage than than anything else. But he's been in the Valley for a long time, and um, all three gentlemen asked uh, you know that that. Did this this one kind of felt like it, it's a you have to have it, and uh, um, the big reason why is because they're about to go on a big road trip. Um, they they kick it off against the the Blues um, today at six. Um, and then they have day off, they have the Predators, and then a um, couple more days off, and then the Stars, one day off, then the Blue Jackets, um, another day off, then the Jets, and then they're finally home after two days um against the kings so uh one two three four five games on the road uh spanning over uh nine days five games in nine days so um that is uh um the first um the uh first big road trip so f so far in the year and, and so to, to get two points for the win. Um, and the way they did it, 
is absolutely huge uh, going forward. And hopefully they can um, get more going. Um, but yeah, that's uh, everything I have on uh, Coyotes. We will go ahead and get into uh, Arizona State and uh, uh, talk some football up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Kenny Dillingham spoke to the media both uh, Tuesday and uh, yesterday. We're going to go ahead and, and go through both of those press conferences. Not not uh, anything particularly long, but um, the, the uh, Sun Devils, they, they have to find a, a win uh, somewhere. And uh, the biggest issue is is injuries. But they got they got to figure something out. All of them. Latu's obviously uh, super talented. You know, there's some mock drafts where he's a top five pick right now. But they're all really good. Uh, I'd be doing them a disjustice if, or an injustice if I didn't say them all collectively. I don't think it'd be fair to the entire group uh, in terms of how they're playing collectively. What about like how they play this style? They blitz a lot. And they use their athleticism. They move their athletes around the field in the box. And they pressure. They do not play stagnant. Very rarely do they play stagnant, and if you watch their trends, they got they get more aggressive and more aggressive as the years gotten on, as they got more comfortable in the new scheme, and that aggressiveness has only been beneficial for them. What's the biggest challenge in adjusting to that? Blocking them. I mean, it just I mean, getting your hands on them and blocking them—they're difficult to block. Uh, that's why they're top ten in the country in rush defense, top ten in the country in, in sacks. So because they're difficult to block. So, you know, we can say, let's line up and run the zone. Okay, cool. Like, see how that works for us, right? But we got to have to be creative uh, with, you know, how we throw it, how we run it, and the things we do in order to, you know, play to our strengths. Jordan Clark, after the game, wanted to focus on everyone's doing their assignment. Are you noticing an improvement in people focusing on their assignment this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I told him after the game is why that game, that last game was was on me was because that's a cultural game. That's a detail game. That's a physicality game. You don't win those games on game week. You win those games uh, building a team and building a culture that's sustainable. And uh, that's why I said that's on me. We're not there yet. We will get there. I, prom I promised them we're going to get there. But we weren't there yet to beat a team of that high of culture, that high of discipline. Uh, especially coming off with them highly motivated uh, and us not playing our best game. So it's a great testament to us that we got to respond, we got to focus on the details, and you got to play physical. As an offensive guy, uh, General. you study someone like Chip Kelly, like, what is it about him that makes him so good? Uh, he changes what he does every week formationally, but they run the same schemes every week. So, okay, they're going to run G lead, but you don't know what formation. You don't know who's motioning. You don't know what backfield action they're going to get it. So you can never actually have your players practice a copy-paste play. Whereas I would say 75% of offenses in college football, you can copy-paste plays exactly to what they see on game day. With uh, Chip Kelly, very rarely are you going to get a copy-paste play. You're going to get copy-paste concepts, but the concept may be tight end, double wing one week, and start an empty motion 
to a running back in the backfield the next week, and your players have to be able to process this is the same thing, and this is the same fits. These are the same route pass-offs. But he makes you do them with different players. He makes you handle it with different motions, and I think that's what has made him successful over the years. Yeah, no, I was drawn to it. I mean, I told people last year, you know, Arizona State was my dream school because that was the hometown school, my favorite. And then Oregon was the school that drew me uh, with that style of play in that era. Uh, I said that last year when I, you know, got the job at Oregon. It's still the truth. Just because I took the job here doesn't change that. And uh, the drawing of, you know, his ability to run the swinging gate and be innovative and not play the game scared. I think he really was one of the first coaches to think outside the box, be really, really creative, not just formationally and with plays and zone reads, but really creative with swinging gates and reading three techniques from the shotgun. Uh, and I think that's what really drew me to him was just the creativity and the thinking outside the box. You talked about energy. I mean, obviously coming off a tough game like that, you guys have bounced back all year, but you feel good energy today in practice? Yeah, good energy. Obviously, energy's hard because we, you know, we're taking a lot off the guys. We've taken a lot off in the last few weeks, but we're taking a lot, lot off them now. Uh, and it's obviously harder to have energy when you're not going at a rate you know that your body you know needs the juice so i think that's the greatest challenge when adjusting to more of a walkthrough pace is you've got to be able to fight through the mental gymnastics of hey i know i'm walking physically but i've got to take this mental rep full speed and i think that's just part of growth that we you know over time we'll get better at and we'll get more comfortable with yeah, with numbers as low as it is, they I'm sure they have had to take a lot off of this team. Uh, let's go ahead and move on over to, to Wednesday. How'd practice go, Coach? It was a good day. I thought the guys had good energy. I mean, I think when that's that's the goal, you're in week 10, right? What, what teams have good energy and are practicing getting better? And I really think our, even though our, tempo of our practices are way lower than they have well not way lower than they have been but you know we had three or more linemen go down so you just can't rep as many as you have but uh so but i think the intensity mentally and the focus was there there's a real uncertain situation with the quarterback at ucla and ironically all three quarterbacks that could play this week actually played last week does that kind of help uh, when you try to uh, prepare for a quarterback they may have not seen earlier in the season but I to see yeah I mean it just it's interesting because when you see guys play in different stages of the game uh, you know they're all different situations so how much are they calling a game to when you don't prepare for a starter right how often does that are they calling that game based off of the game plan are they calling that game based off of that starters ability how much of what that starter strengths are are in the game plan so okay they may have a runner that starts this week but they haven't had it in weeks past maybe well, how much of those running schemes were built into the plan for him? So it's really hard. You've got to say, okay, what is this guy's strengths? What are these guys' strengths? And what has the coordinator done with the pass with people like these strengths? But I don't think you can just carve and copy and say, okay, this guy's uh, thrown it 80% of the time he's been in and run it 20. Well, he's been in the fourth quarter when they were down. That's, you know, so I think you have to kind of read and predict a little bit what's going to happen based off what the coordinator likes to do and then with the skill set of the player. 
got a lot of young players that are getting experience based on the injuries. How much can that, even though it's throwing pains now, help moving forward? Oh yeah, it's huge. I mean, we got, I mean, we had a true freshman walk off on punt return. That's awesome. That's unbelievable. Last week, you know, we have guys working right now. We have a guy in the in the top seven. True freshman walk on in the top seven up front, and those things are unbelievable experience for those kids to get those reps early, uh, and it's only going to make us better in the future. Um, but for me, I'm worried about right, the right now. I'm not worried about the future until the future comes. I'm worried about how can we be the very best this week? How can we be the very best today? It's not about just building for the future. It's we want to build for the future, but I also want to freaking win. So we're going to do everything we can to win the football game, put our players in the best position to win. Also knowing by default, the future is getting built at a little bit faster rate because of you know the unfortunate injuries. How large do you see a latest quarterback situation is a little uncertain there? Yeah, you got to have correct fits. I mean, this is a team that's going to do different, put different formations and motions uh, with their inside zone, with their G lead, with their outside zone, backside inserts, with their extra duos, where they bring two to three guys back, wide outs back, slipping across the formation if you're a man team. So you got to be able to understand where you fit in the scheme because you don't know exactly what you're going to see. You, formationally in motions, you just know what the end game is going to be. So you have to be able to know where you fit in the puzzle, but you've just never done this specific puzzle before. Coach, how much of a challenge has it been to deal with the injuries, especially up front? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge. You'd be lying to say it's not a challenge, but it's, it is what it is. But yeah, it's it's a challenge. And you know, you either rise to the equation or you quit. And uh, you know, we're gonna do more creative things. You know, if more guys have gone down, you got to get a little bit more creative. We'll be more creative this week. And uh, some people will call it tricky and goofy, whatever it is. It doesn't matter to me. It's what I think is the best position for our football team to go out there and score and win. And it may not be conventional, but it doesn't matter because it's what I think is best for our football team. And some people will like it, some people won't like it. I really don't care. Coach, how do you game plan for all the motions and different sets you're going to see from Chip Kelly this week? You just got to teach your guys the fits. Line up in this formation, what's the fit on this run? This formation, what's the fit? Bonus to hat. How do we fit if they gain a hat? Right? Well, it's the same fit. You just add extra, you're outside the fitter. Right? What do you got to do in the motion to bring the dude back? If you're chasing, you better get back vertical so the ball doesn't bounce outside you. Right? And get back downhill. So you just practice all of the pictures they create from just random things. You don't practice what they've done, you just practice random things that fit what they do, and I mean that. That's a philosophy. There's a lot of defenses who practice like that when you play teams that aren't copycat teams, which means they don't copycat what they did the week prior. You just got to go out there and do random formations uh, that they haven't done and run their plays with their motions so your guys can just fit random things correctly. It's not about the actual formation or the motion. It's about the fit based off of the, where the people are. So, Coach, this is high-end stuff you're talking about. Do you have guys that can keep up with that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's football. That's good run fits, okay. to be honest. Uh, it's just different because of all the motions and the formations. That's why he does a good job. Is Some teams you're going to line up and you're going to say, they're going to get in two by one. They're going to run counter OY to the boundary and throw RPO slants. Hey, so we're going to take the boundary safety and play the boundary post. We're going to take the boundary nickel and we're going to jump inside the slant and corner the cat, cat the corner. All right, that's our answer. And it's great. You call it, it works. The guys are hoorah. Then you play teams that 
it's not copycat. You're not going to be able just to say, see, we saw this exact thing on tape. You're going to say, see, they did this same thing three weeks ago from a different formation. This is the fit. Y'all remember we did that drill, right, where we fit all these? And then the guy's got to be able to adjust and fit correctly. And that's why he's been such a high productive coach in the run game is he varies it up and mixes it up and he puts players in position to have to think and react and you know stay really really fundamentally sound same concept lots of different looks lots of different looks how's the focus and the vibe been now in recent weeks compared to like good team i think pretty good to be honest i really do i think early in the year offensively it was average i actually think that has gotten better the intent and the focus of practice and seeing signals and calling signals out. Uh, at least offensively, I haven't been around the defense as much, unfortunately, that I would like to be. Uh, but uh, I definitely, throughout practice, I can feel a little bit more of an urgency and the buy-in to the detail. And like I said after the game, that doesn't always mean you're gonna get results. Doing crap right doesn't always mean it's gonna be a positive output. Being a good person doesn't mean the, the good, you're not always, always gonna get the promotion because you're the good person. But at the end of the day, if you do things right, or if you're a good person, continually and long enough, in the long game, in the end game, you're going to win. You're going to be better than those people who took shortcuts who don't do things right. And I think our guys are learning that that process, and you can't get frustrated with the result, like I said in my press conference, it's a results-driven business and hobby for people, but it's a process-driven, right, profession. Process-driven. We're not focused on the result, we're focused on the process. And nobody's gonna see the process other than really you guys and our players, and that's it. Coach, I mean, obviously, I know you said you didn't want to be in position with the injuries, but in getting ready for a team and, you know, saying it's gimmicky or, um, you know, people might not like it, but do you feel that it's tougher to prepare for a team that's gonna, that might have to do stuff like that? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, but obviously, if 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 it was better to just be gimmicky all the time, there'd be somebody who's coaching at, like, Auburn or Georgia, right? That would be gimmicky all the time, right? Football is won through toughness, physicality, extreme effort, and detail. Like, who can do this? Who can block, who can tackle, and who can do things right? That's where the game is won. And the best teams in the country, they block, they tackle, they run people over, right? And they do it right over and over and over and over again. That's why I say it's not a schemed game. Football's very, very, very simple. It's culture driven. The best cultures in the country win. And culture takes time. There's no shortcut to a culture. There's no, you can't just show up here and say, hey, we're going to hit people and be physical and nine months later be the most physical team in the country. Because somebody else has been doing that for 18 years. Right? It takes time to build that. I don't know if that was uh, shots fired at Auburn and, and Georgia or if that's just, you know, the two schools that he came up with, but um, obviously, you know, mentioning the word gimmicky and then following up by Auburn and Georgia. Well, we know, or maybe, maybe you don't, but I'll clue you in, you, you know, at, at uh, um, Georgia, you have um, Kirby Smart, um, and 
I don't know off the top of my head um, who the offensive coordinator is, but uh, Kirby um, being a defensive guy, um, let's see if I can, um, let's see if I can get a, um, their coaching staff, but I do, do, like I said, I wonder if it was, um, a, um, shot over the bow at, at, uh, at at uh Georgia but um Mike Bubbo is the um OC there um and uh he spent let's see where was he before that that where they would be known as a um a gimmicky not that i'm finding anything uh it's kind of you know bounced around this is like it one of his first rural big jobs and then um in and uh at auburn you have um let's see i don't know the coaching staff off the top of my head for them uh Oh, you have Hugh Freeze, <laughs> and maybe you feel like it's more of a shot at at uh, Auburn than 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 even Georgia. Um, and then you have uh, Philip Montgomery as the offensive coordinator. I I get the feeling that if you're going to take a shot, that it's going to be more towards. Um, Auburn than than Georgia, but you know who knows who knows what he what he was uh, getting at. I know um, uh, Hugh Freeze is you know pretty pretty gutsy uh, play caller sometimes, and sometimes his uh, you know aggressiveness has getting him some wins, and sometimes it's gotten him in some trouble. Um, so. Who knows? Who knows what he meant by that? Yeah, unbelievable trust. Unbelievable trust. I believe that they do things right. I, I sit into some of the defensive meetings when we're out of the building, off the field. I can, you know, get a beat on what they're doing. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable trust. That's why I can do it. Coach, how excited are you for uh, Sun Devil basketball to start tonight? And will you be watching any of the games? Yeah, uh, if I have time, I'll watch the game. Maybe at my radio show, I'll watch. Maybe it'll be behind me instead of the big photo of me. I don't know why they put up. They can put the game for everybody to watch. That'd be exciting, right? That'd be a good thing. Uh, but I'm excited. I think Coach Hurley, he's got the fire in his in his belly, man, that you want as a coach, that you want to see, that you love to – as a coach, I love to see watch him coach. You know, you see the buy-in in the portal uh, for him. I mean, his recruiting class right now is – is freaking unbelievable. They're on a huge roll, and I only think this year can continue to build his momentum. But I love watching him coach. I love watching the passion and energy he has that he pours into the guys. 
schemes aren't that important, how come the three dynasties of the last quarter century in the Pipe Bowl all ran the ball really well? Oregon, Chicago, David Shaw, and of course the USC. Yeah, when I say schemes not important, I mean the like, are we going to run like tricky schemes? I mean, like, the scheme's important from a standpoint of you have to be physical to run good schemes. There's no cute schemes that win championships. There's mindset schemes. We're going to line up there and be Stanford of the David Shaw's area. We're going to run the ball. Do you have to have good schemes and coach well throughout that mindset? Hell yes. You can't go out there and run dead plays saying we're going to be physical and just run the dude over at the line of scrimmage. But you can have great scheme without physicality and toughness and it doesn't mean anything. The first, the thing you have to have first is the physicality and toughness and the grit and the detail, and that's when good scheme compiles on it, and that's when you become a really, really good football team. So sorry if that was misunderstood. Scheme matters, but culture of physicality is one. The scheme adds to that. Do you think that um, you can have consistent, very high-end success if you throw the ball 75 to 80% of the time? No, me personally, I do not. Uh, I think I think you I think you will have good games. You'll have good numbers, uh, but I think at the end of the day, you got to be a balanced team. I know everybody has got different philosophies on that. My philosophy is you take what the defense gives you. If you have a physical team that can run the ball in good hat counts, you run it into good hat counts, and then you should have guys who can win in one-on-one -on -one scenarios outside. So regardless of what a defense does, good offenses just take what they give you. A good offense will run the ball for 280 one game, and then we'll come back and throw the ball for 390 the next week. And you can only do that and have that balance if you have the physicality and toughness that when a team gives you the box counts that you're supposed to run the ball versus, right, you can run it. Otherwise, every week, right, it doesn't matter the box counts, doesn't matter the numbers, you gotta be a throw team, and then you're being dictated to. All right, there you go. That's uh, everything I have on ASU. Um, Nothing, uh, nothing too, you know, crazy there, other than the gimmicky uh, comment. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, with that, the rest of the show, all Cardinals. Like I said, probably, probably a little over an hour uh, of of Cardinals. Um, but uh, should should be pretty good, and uh, I hope. Uh, at least I hope so anyway. But uh, Cardinals up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Booyah Billings. As usual, I, and I don't want to waste too much time because of, you know, the, the content we'll have, but, um, well, I didn't mean to start it right away. My goodness, it just started. I don't mean to waste a whole lot of time. But uh, um, the coordinators drew, of Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis, and Jeff Rogers spoke to the media uh, on uh, Tuesday. Um, and um, obviously with the thought of Kyler Murray being activated, uh, we'll uh, get a lot of uh, Drew Petzing's comments on that and, and, and more. Challenge is that? 
I think that's the nature of this business. It's the nature of the NFL. Injuries are a big part of the league, unfortunately. So it's next man up. We got to have those guys ready to play. They need to have themselves ready to play. Uh, that's always going to be true. I think it's something we're going to deal with year in and year out in the NFL. What's your plan or what's your hopes for the offensive line? I know you can't do injury talk with us, but in a roundabout way, like, do you feel like you'll have enough protection for Kyler even if you go eight men front? Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, the five people we're going to put out there, we're going to feel good about. Um, certainly, I wish everyone was healthy. You're always going to wish that. But I uh, feel very confident in whoever's asked to go out there on Sunday, they can get the job done. Did you get enough? Uh, did you get to see enough out of Clayton to get a sense of where he is right now? Or is that just too small of a sample size to really understand where he might be in his career? No, I thought it was a good start. I mean, certainly there's room for improvement um, from me, from him, from all of us. But we see him every day in practice. You know, we see him on the field on Sunday. It was great to see him get a little game experience. Uh, but that's never going to be a finished product. And that's true with everybody in that locker room, coaches included. So uh, it was a good start. Coach talked about maximizing Kyler's skill set when he comes back. What does that mean to you? I think playing to his strengths, the things he's done well in his career, the things that makes him that make him a dynamic player. You know, certainly we've seen a lot of that from the mobility, from the arm talent, from the vision. I mean, all of it. He's a very complete quarterback. So, you know, building around that and building around what he's comfortable doing and making sure that he's ready to do it on Sunday is a, is a big part of making sure he's ready to go. I hope they're completed every time he throws them. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't I would ultimately no. I mean he's healthy, he's ready to go, we're gonna put him in a position to be successful. I think that's always the nature when you have a franchise quarterback and you see that around the league when they are very mobile. There's an injury risk that's associated with that. So we have to manage that as all teams with the elite quarterbacks do. Um, but he's gonna do what puts us in the best position to win the game. With the players with him taking, as Jonathan said yesterday, the the, the number one reps is that just the practice of that with guys, with some that might be out there, some might, and it might be mixing and matching throughout the week. How, how, how will that be different? Or is that just something, like you said, you go through as a team? I think it's something you go through as a team. I mean, that happened to him last year. You know, before he was hurt, it's happened to every quarterback that I've played with. It's 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 a really unfortunate part of this game. Um, it is a violent game. It, it takes its toll. So you're used to, I think, guys being in and out of the lineup. Some guys practice in Wednesday. You know, some guys don't practice Wednesday, Thursday, practice Friday, play Sunday. So I think that's just kind of the, the nature of the beast a little bit. On the running stuff, how will you know that he's able or willing to trust his team? I think a lot of that's the communication we've had over the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's been great. I mean, he's been practicing at a high level. You see him make those unscripted movements. People are around his feet. He seems very comfortable doing it. So uh, we're not going to put him out there until he feels completely comfortable. Certainly health-wise, he's there. But as you said, there's a mental aspect of that, and that's the communication piece that's so important from him to us and, and back and forth. Will there, will there be a certain holding your breath if he's out there and the first time he does run? Before we get to that question, and I was trying to stop it in time, I don't like that answer because Kyler has a knack for, you know, doing that. Oh man, you know, I'm 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 not gonna be out there until I can do what I can do. And if there's any doubt in his mind that uh, you know, because he just said, well, you know, he's he's there physically, but we're not going to put him out there until, you know, he, he's 100% even even mentally. Um, 
I, you know, this is coming from the same guy that felt like that Kyler has, you know, has a lot to prove. He knows that he has a lot to prove and, and he's going to do the best he, he can to prove it. Um, but you know, and, and though I agree with that and believe it, this is also one of those times where you understand that, that, uh, what you've seen over the last couple of years and you, you hope that this year is the one that's different. And, and that being that, you know, any, any kind of inconvenience health wise, Kyler ain't the first one uh, running out there and, or, you know, going over to his coaches and say, Hey, put me in. He, he ain't doing that. And, uh, um, with a knee injury like that, it is every bit mental as it is physical. So I don't like that answer. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, there's always going to, anytime he runs and gets tackled, no matter what the situation from now till the end of time, I think there's always going to be like, hey, get up, he's good. You know, I think anytime you have a great player in that position, you feel that way to some extent. Uh, but no, he, he's so dynamic at it. He's certainly done it at a high level. So um, he's going to get tackled. Uh, you know, that's, that's a fact at some point during the game. So uh, no, I think at the end of the day, we'll be good with it. Has rust, and Jonathan said yesterday what we see out of Kyler probably won't be what we'll see in the next number of weeks. How, how, how should at least out there expectations be a little tempered in terms of what will happen on Sunday? Yeah, I think that's a big. Anytime you do something the first time you've done it, in a, you know, in a while, it's hard. Especially being in a new system, new teammates. It's week, you know, whatever week ten, uh, and you're coming off an injury. You know, I think it, and I always look at it and I kind of compared it last week. Look at what an offense looks like their first ten plays in week, preseason one. Week one, week five, week 10, it's no different with an individual player. So there's going to be some growth. There's going to be some bumps along the road. I know he's ready to handle that. Certainly we're prepared to handle that. Uh, but that's just re- that's reality when you're doing something for the first time. Your thoughts with him going back to the mental part of it, do you, can you tell us from those talks how comfortable he feels with the new him? I mean, he's, got a, he's a different guy now. Yeah, I think that's the growth and development you're going to see from him throughout his career, regardless of scheme or system or teammates. I think that's just part of being a pro and getting older and starting to have more experience. Uh, He's certainly embraced that. It's been really fun to be a part of it uh, because he's worked so hard at it and because he's asking great questions and because he's really engaged. So uh, it's been fun and certainly would expect that to continue as he hits the field. How much input will he have on what you guys want on Sunday, if he he plays? And have you guys already sat down and tried to map out Absolutely. And that's the conversation that we've had with every quarterback that will ever play here. I think it's a really important conversation. Uh, certainly, I want to call the game to attack the defense and get the guy in our ball in the, the balls in the right player's hands. Uh, but the quarterback's the one that obviously is doing that and has the ball in his hands. So for me to say, hey, you're going to run this, this, and this, I don't care what you think about it, is, is negligent. So there's an ongoing back and forth of, hey, hey, do you see this the same way I do? How do we feel about this? How do we do that? Uh, that's a constant give and take uh, with any quarterback. And certainly, you know, someone who's done it at that level and sees the game the way he does, that's a very big part of it uh, on so many different levels. So that will continue. Hey, how much will uh, James Conner help this offense if you get him back this week? Yeah, when, I mean, whenever James is back, I think you saw what he could bring to the offense and bring to the team. So, you know, whenever he's healthy, really excited to get him back out there. He's, he's violent. He plays with a presence. He plays with an attitude. He's also a great teammate. So looking forward to that whenever it happens. How did you think that uh, Carter O'Donnell did coming in at right guard? 
Yeah, good. I mean, it's a hard front. I mean, it's a dynamic front, really well-coached group. They were playing really hard. Uh, he didn't miss a beat. Jumped in there. You never know when you're going to have to play. So he, he jumped right in there, played, you know, what was it, 15, 20 snaps, and uh, certainly showed some things. It was, a great, you know, as we talked about with Clayton and all those guys, might have been come his first NFL game reps, and it was great to get that experience and learn from it and take some from it moving forward. You are scouting, and when you are scouting Atlanta's defense, does it? Is there any sort of advantage knowing that they did just play Josh Dobbs and knowing what Josh Dobbs kind of brings to the table, what he likes, and that this game was kind of just natural ability for him? Like, does that? Is there any sort of advantage with that? Uh, yes and no. I mean, he's certainly a different system, different teammates. I, you know, I, I could talk to a couple of those guys. Hey, what you? But at the end of the day, uh, it's a different offense. It's a different scheme. Was really excited for him and just how it ended. Texted him right after the game. Was fired up for him. So, uh, but at the end of the day, no. It's it's going to be more about what we see on tape and who we have and what we want to accomplish. What's the best case scenario for Tyler to, on Sunday in kind of the rest of the season? No incomplete passes and five to eight touchdowns a game. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think the big thing is just going to be clean from an operation standpoint of decision making in and out of the huddle, communication with me, communication with his teammates, making sure that his feet are comfortable, his eyes are in the right place, and the ball is going where it needs to go. I think that's going to be a big part of getting his feet back under him as he starts to play at full speed again. Back to Carter, when when he came here, do you, are you aware of Clayton? Uh, who had been with him in Indianapolis was mm -hmm. a big part of saying, hey, we think this guy has some potential. Yeah, and it's those conversations with Monty, with Clayton, and kind of the entire organization from a roster standpoint of, hey, here are the guys who, who might be available to come in and help us. What do we think about them? Do we have any character background, any experience with them? Whether it's O-line or any other position, that's a, a big part of, you know, the type of person we bring into this building I think is very important as we try to build the culture. Do you guys feel comfortable with Kyler in the quarterback sneak play that you guys have run all season long? Yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, if it's the right play to call and he's comfortable with it, we're going to certainly go out and execute it. That, there's no doubt about it. Is, are you comfortable with him going under center a lot, or would you go to his strengths, which is Ben's shotgun? Yeah, I, I would say he's been in the shotgun, but I wouldn't say under center is not a strength of his, if that makes sense. He was in an offense that didn't put him under center by nature of the scheme, but I don't think it was any limitation to his ability. So I have no fear of putting him under center I mean, I'm not going to tell you we're going to be 80, 90, 100% of the time, but he could be under center the first snap of the game, and I wouldn't hesitate. I wonder if that's kind of shots over the bow for um, a gift a gift against Cliff Kingsbury because he said he was in an offense that uh, was on under center a lot, and that's not because Kyler uh, can't do it. <laughs> Uh, or maybe it's a shot against uh, Oklahoma. Who knows? Um, but that's where my mind immediately went on that one. What the Falcons' defense is a bit underrated. I mean, I think they're sixth overall, but they can bring some elements to their game. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's a good defense. I think they made a conscious effort in the offseason of bringing some guys to fill some holes that you see playing at a really high level at really multiple positions on top of having a premier corner. Uh, you know, a new defensive coordinator, a new scheme that I think has given them a fresh attitude. So uh, it's going to be a challenge. I think they do a lot of things well. And, and as you said, they are playing at a high level this year and keeping them, you know, the reason they're winning a lot of games. How different will the offense going to look under Kyler than it did last I first didn't hear the beginning of that. How different will the offense look with Kyler on the field compared to what it looked like first night? I, I, you know, again, I, it'd be hard for me to, like, guarantee an answer to that because I think a lot of it's going to be flow of the game and what he's comfortable with and the communication that we are having during the week and on game day. Um, but at the end of the day, as, as we've always talked about, it has to be built around what he's comfortable doing and making sure we're putting him in a position to be himself and be successful. Um, so that's going to be critical. Who, who 
who are the main guys that on the Falcons defense that you have to quote account for? I'm going to get some names wrong here. I can guarantee you that. I'm better with numbers. Um, but the corner 24 is a phenomenal player. Uh, I mean, arguably one of the best corners in the league. You know, Jeremy Bates, who I, I thought I got away from when he left the Bengals, I now had to see again. So that's a little bit frustrating. You know, and, and obviously they have a number of players up front. Bud Dupree was in Pittsburgh. When I, you know, it's like I'm playing the whole division again is kind of what it feels like. Um, but it's a really dynamic group. I think they do present a lot of problems from a personnel standpoint. Who's, uh, who's the backup right guard at the Well, we don't know who's healthy. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it, it's such a hard question to answer. I think it's it's something like anything. Those those guys are always competing for reps, and a lot of that gets sorted out in practice during the week of, hey, if you're the starter, you're in there getting the reps with the ones. Everybody else is getting full-speed reps with the twos on the scout team, and we're evaluating all those reps from a, hey, how's your technique? How's your fundamentals? Are you communicating well? Um, to make sure that the next guy in the game, we feel like, gives us the best chance to win the game. So that's a, that's a role that's constantly in flux, like a lot of the roles, as you've seen throughout the year. Kramer's a center, the guy you Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a smart player. You know, certainly get to know him more as he gets in the building here this week. But those guys that are really high uh, intellectually can generally jump in at a lot of different spots and, and play if they need to. How much credit is he get for getting Kyler ready to the point? Ton, I mean, all of them. He's the quarterback coach. I mean, they have a really strong relationship. You know, certainly he's done a great job of getting up to speed and managing his time, as we talked about, finding extra time to do a walkthrough or do a meeting or watch some tape. Uh, it's huge. I mean, it's a big, big part of getting him ready to play, and, and certainly not something I could have done myself. I mean, I, I would say most of it is him. Are there plays that you've had kind of tabled in, in awaiting Kyler's return that you can't wait to unleash? Uh, yes and no. I think there's uh, if it's something that he does better than the other guys, they're certainly like, hey, I like this play. I'm going to wait till he's there because it fits his skill set better. But I wouldn't say there's anything that we held that we said, hey, we're just going to do this when he gets back, even though it might be good now. I think at the end of the day, we're, every play we call, we're hoping to be successful. Certainly there's things that he just does at a high level that maybe didn't fit a different player. They don't like it as much that when he's out there, we're going to let go. I think it's something we're going to work through during the week. If I was a trainer, I would have a significantly better answer for that, but they don't have to do press conferences. Um, but no, it's obviously when those guys are, we're not going to put them out there until they're physically ready. I mean, that's the priority, uh, but excited to get those back when, excited to get those guys back whenever that time comes. How far have uh, Tristan, I know he's hurt now, but Tristan and, and Carter have come since they got here, both on waivers, and boom, had to obviously learn on the fly. Yeah, and, and kind of like the guy we just talked about, they, both guys we knew were bringing in someone who could handle it mentally. So they jumped right in. I thought the coaches did a great job, Chris and Clayton, of getting those guys ready, similar to the way we talked about Israel. It's a limited amount of time. you got to find extra time to meet with them, to make sure they know what's going on, to show them the different looks, managing the reps throughout the week so that if they are called in to do, they know exactly what to do. And I think that's showed up, which is good to see. All right, let's go ahead and move on to... Gosh, I don't know why it's starting right away. It never used to do this. I apologize. Um, but move on to uh, Nick Rollis. What do you tell your guys after a game like that where whatever you guys were going to be able to do probably wasn't going to turn out to be enough? Yeah, you know, we were focused on it. We could have played better in a, in a lot of different ways. And whether you come out with a win or a loss, you, you focus on – things that you did good and you reinforce that and you make sure you keep doing that stuff at a high level and then the things you got to get better at, you got to improve on. Um, so win-loss, like that's how we approach in Mondays. And then, you know, going throughout the week, 
those things that we have to improve on have to show up. They have to get emphasized. They have to be drilled, all that. So, you know, it, 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 the approach on Monday, the process, that really doesn't ever change. What do you do about the defensive line? They've had a couple of downs, but for the most part, they've been really consistent all year long. Like, what do you think about kind of their overall play this year? Yeah, I mean, they're, they are high motor, violent dudes in, in the box. And a lot of times, um, we put them in a light box because we know that those guys can win at the point of attack. And that's something that, you know, we've gone against two really good run games past two weeks and two really good old line and good old line coaches. And I challenge those guys to, when you get one-on-ones, be able to win, not just your gap, but your secondary gap. And, you know, I thought they did a great job of that. Um, you know, I, I kind of challenged them to go even further and say, hey, every play has to look like these. Because there was a lot of clips where you'd say, hey, guys, this is, this is a teach clip. This is how it needs to look. I challenge you to do that all the time. So, you know, I'm excited to wear a lot of the there's, – there's been some great improvement in that room over the course of the season. And I'm challenging those guys to continue to with that improvement and just play at a high level all the time and really just be an anchor in the middle of the defense. Because it's – if you can, you know, stop the run with the defensive line, that takes stress off a lot of the other uh, – players on the field and allows you to do some other things, donate numbers elsewhere. You guys have been really good at tackles for losses almost every game, five to six to seven. That's kind of great. Uh, can you talk about the importance of those TFLs and maybe how they – are they as important as sacks? Um, you know, I think the importance with those is negative yardage plays on early downs. Right, so a negative yardage play on first down or second down is putting people behind the sticks, and it's is you know as a defensive play caller, the playbook opens up. As an offensive play caller, it shrinks down a little bit when you're in you know second and long, third and a little bit longer. Um, so whether it's a TFL, whether it's an early down sack, you know early down sacks a lot of times can be more detrimental to an offense than a third down sack because. Third down incompletion, third down sack is going to result in a in a punt. You know, a little bit of field position change, but the difference in a first down sack or a second down sack or a TFL put them behind the sticks is leading to your creating opportunity for success to get off the field within that drive. So those plays are critical. Um, you know, you need to generate them throughout the game to give yourself a little bit of a spark and get people behind the sticks. And then when you do get people behind the sticks, you have to take advantage of that. You can't let them get out of second and long, third and long. Play that like that crazy one that hit off Dante's helmet and the catch for a touchdown. Do you just write that off to dumb luck that went in their favor, or do you look at those plays and say we could have handled it better? Um, yeah, no, that one. You know, that was a good play by Dante to get his hands up and get the deflection. Uh, I thought we were in good position and coverage, and you know, sometimes those bounces go your way, sometimes they don't. That one unfortunately didn't go our way, and. You know, you definitely, hey, remind the players, just reset yourself. Like, that one, that one went their way. I, th I thought we did a good job of, you know, executing on that play and at certain points in that drive, and let's keep keep up with, with that kind of execution. So, um, you know, those, those, those plays are going to go either way at times. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go our way on that one. But uh, either way, whether there's a correction to make or not, reset, next play. Yeah, it allows you to dedicate more to the pass game, straight up. Um, 
you know, there's time and places for it. But when you can do that at times, you add more stress on the, the quarterback, the, the play caller, you know, whatever that is, um, to take away what you want in the pass game when you can, you know, win one-on-ones up front. You guys are finally getting full strength at safety and at nickel with Garrett, Buda, and JT. What have you seen from them? Where do you envision that position, those positions going forward? Yeah, I mean, those, those three are playing at a high level right now. I think they are playing good together, and we got to continue to really as a whole defense and as a back seven, continue to create that continuity between each other with the communication, um, making checks, all getting on the same page. So the more that you can get guys playing together consistently in practice, in the games, the more that they're comfortable out there with each other, whether or not um, you know you feel like, hey, this is very clear on what we want to get done. There's, there's, there's something to guys being out there next to each other and hearing it from each other and over and over again. Um, so like the more those guys can play together, uh, and you know, you mentioned those three at safety and nickel, um, the more that they'll feel comfortable out there and just feels it's, it's rhythmic at that point playing with each other. How much of an impact that they all have certainly in against the run? You mentioned the good running team. Yeah. I mean, the Falcon, I mean, last, not, not the Falcon, but last, this past week, I mean, they had a lot of carries, but not a whole lot of yards from that running game. Yeah, you know, those those three, and I, I've been pleased with our tackling overall as a defense. Um, you know, there was a couple of things we talked about as, as a defense that we probably could have even tackled cleaner in the game. But I would say from that from the middle of the defense, we do a good job of not letting the ball cross our face. We call those cup violations where, you know, ball crosses your face and starts going down the sideline. That's when explosive runs happen. So they do a great job of keeping the cup. Um, and the, and there's some really good tackles. I mean, three makes teach clip tackles every single game, and I I marvel at it, you know. And and I think JT and Garrett, you know, you talk about those three in the middle are also tackling um, really well. You don't see a lot of missed tackles. You don't see a lot of cup violations. You don't see a lot of hidden yardage, right? That's something we look for, not just making the tackle, but at contact is there additional yards after that. And um, they do a jo good job of getting the ball down now. I think our linebackers do a good job of getting the ball down now. Um, I think our front guys is, is hard to do it in the box at times because things happen so fast where you shed and then all of a sudden the ball carrier is right there and boom, you tackle them high and the ball carrier's legs keep turning. There's a couple hidden, there's some hidden yardage to it. Like these guys get off blocks right now and get in position to make a tackle and, and cut that engine pretty fast. So, um, you know, the whole center of the defense has done a good job with that. Tyler has gotten reps against your first team defense. How has that helped you guys in the preparation process? Yeah, I mean, I think overall, just whether it's Kyler, whether it's whoever giving us looks, you know, when we go out there and compete every day at practice, the more that, you know, we can compete against each other, the better it makes all of us. And so, yeah, it's, it's obviously it's very beneficial to have a, an elite quarterback like that. Um, Giving you looks because he's gonna he's gonna challenge you. He's gonna make great throws and um, but honestly, anybody giving us those looks that are competing at a high level um, makes us better. And and in turn, you know, with our guys on defense who are giving the offensive guys looks, they go out there and and um, compete their butts off every week. And I know they're making the offense better for it, and they're they're getting better themselves for it. So that's just kind of a mentality with with how we practice. Best at all yet, but oh god, we haven't. 
<laughs> oh, no. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's really good. He's he's so efficient with how he plays the game. You know, the when he when he whether it's an outside zone play or it's an inside run like a like a duo or something like that, there's no wasted space with those creases that he finds. And so he hugs those blocks tight on top of being extremely explosive. He can accelerate fast so he can start to stop his momentum find his lane out there it goes it just opened up and he hits it fast and so like efficient in terms of there's no wasted space on the grass and there's no wasted time as soon as that thing opens he hits it and then when he gets rolling like he's fast he's big he runs violent and so he makes the two yard should have been a two yard gains into eight yard gains and that's what scares you a little bit about him is that he can when you feel like you're executing at a high level, whether it's, hey, this was a great call, this was a scheme, hey, we played these blocks great, we fit this good, sometimes he can make those yards out of nothing. And so that's what makes him, a, honestly, a really good running back, in my opinion. And then on top of that, you give him the cup violation or whatever it is, he's going to make an explosive out of it. So um, he pops off the tape, without a doubt. He's, he's a talented, talented player, but a natural runner with the football. You know, and honestly, he can he can catch the ball as well. So complete player. What's your thought on the, on the quarterback who seems to go here, go there, but not doesn't get a lot of the claim, but just seems to play pretty solid, good football. Yeah, you know, I've I've gone against uh, Heineke being in that division when he was in Washington, and he's a guy that can go out and win any Sunday. Um, has that playmaking ability in him? You just can't you can't teach it, but he can go out there and sling it and and. Um, you know, he can throw the ball on time. He can hit when you ske when they scheme people up and guys are open, he knows how to get it off on time. When it, it's not there, he's got ability to extend plays. He can take off and run, or he can extend to throw. And that's what's really made him so dangerous is you just don't know when an explosive play can happen with him because of his ability to extend or his ability to throw on time. So um, you got to bring your A game going against Taylor Heineke. I think he's a, I think he's a good player. Um, um, you know, two years against him in that division, and he always he always brought it. So, um, good player, and you got to be able to prepare for him extending plays and making plays down the field. What's your approach on takeaways from this standpoint? We know how important they are, but sometimes they're just plays that happen. But if you don't have them, then obviously it doesn't. They can be obviously can be game changing. How is how is that the whole coaching approach to those and with with the players? Yeah, so you got to talk about it. You have to teach it in the meeting room, and then you have to go do it on the field. And um, it's something we talk about in the off season. It's something that we have very detailed out. It's something that we talk about on a week to week basis with our opponent um, about how we, where our opportunities to take the ball away with. Um, you know, forcing fumbles or interceptions, strip sacks, all of that. And then you got to be able to go out there and practice and do it. And so uh, the thing that I appreciate about with, with JG and really Drew as well, because offensive coaches, this isn't necessarily the norm, is we are allowed to strip at the football during practice. And so those running backs and receivers, not the quarterback, take a lot of punches on the ball. Yeah, no stripping the quarterback. They take a lot of punches on the ball, allow us to work our technique. Because if you can't work that technique throughout the week, it's hard to go out there and replicate. 
And then, you know, once you work it throughout the week, it's got to go sh show up in the game and it's got to be on your mind, right? It's got to be on the player's mind. And that's why you got to talk about it over and over again is sometimes takeaways, they'll just, they'll come to you. You're in the right spot. Cool. But you got to go out there and generate them. And so you got to hunt that football. Yeah. Go ahead. Arthur Smith said that he shaved his mustache at 345 as a turnover cleanse. Are you going to do anything to kind of combat that superstition? Uh... I'm gonna keep this. I'm gonna keep my beard. I don't think I, I don't think I'm a good uh, clean shave look. I, I'll look a little too young, I think. And I think my wife, she might leave me if I went clean shave. So. Uh yeah, did it with with Nick Sirianni. So that was um, it was awesome to see an offensive coach do it because he knew it made his offensive players better, and that's what JG knows. It makes. It's not just for the defensive players, it's for the offensive players, ball security, because if you don't feel any of those strip attempts in practice, you get, you know, lax with the football, and then all of a sudden you get in the game, and all of a sudden people are coming after it. So that's a big part of, you know, you said it, uh, the takeaway battle is, is, a, is a winning statistic, and you got to work it uh, as a team. Let's keep things rolling. Jeff, there, was a, <coughs> there was a play early in the game. With Jeff Rogers. Greg could have received the punt. It looked like the sun got in his eyes. Like, how do you how do you guys kind of deal with that that kind of thing? Where you, you certainly would have liked to see him probably field it, but you also don't want him taking a risk when you know there could be a uh, the sun messing with him being able to catch it and everything. How do you kind of handle that as a as a coach? Yeah, I mean, the reality is he just didn't see it off the foot, and he's trying to find it, and um, never really did until it was too late. Fortunately for them, you know, the ball rolls, right, and rolls to the one-yard line. You've seen plenty of those things. Ball hits and goes back the other way. Um, it's unfortunate for us, but um, you'd like to field everything that we can in that situation. But, you know, giving the ball back to the offense is the number one goal. Uh, hopefully not at the one-yard line anymore, but um, stuff like that happens. Was it nice to get Greg back after having a yeah, I mean, he usually does a good job with, with everything we're asking him to do and kind of stayed with the game plan. Uh, last week had a couple of returns that, you know, were productive, and um, yeah, I thought he played pretty decent that last week. What have you seen from Blake's progression so far throughout the four or five weeks he's been here? I think he's improved. You know, statistically had one of his better games um, last week. Still working through the familiarity with you know how everything works and, and plays out, and we're talking through things. You know, th there's there's things that he wants to do better. There's things I want him to do better, um, or maybe not better. That's not the right word. Different, like the point of emphasis where, um, you know, he's punted probably more from our side of the 50 than what he did in New Orleans. Um, not as many plus 50 punts uh, in the last couple games, but. Um, all that stuff kind of as it happens and as it unfolds, there's things that we may ask him to adjust something or there's something he may come to us and say, can we play it like this or what do you think about um, this style of punt? You guys have had some really good moments at times this year, your side of, of, the, of the game. How, how nice would it be to have one of your better efforts with Kyler coming back to help transition everything better? I mean, you always hope you play well, regardless of circumstance, what the game is, time is, record is, all those things. Um, you know, there's there's some guys individually who have improved, and I think collectively that has shown up uh, a little bit. You know, th there's some things we need to do better, and 
Um, the more often that we can play well, the more it's going to help our team. And field position certainly factors in to winning and losing. So if it happens to um, happen when Kyler comes back, I'd be all for it. Their gunners kind of have a free route to you guys, to, to the returner. It looked like because whoever was on the other side of them kind of was teasing, maybe trying to get into the, the block or not. Is that by design or is that kind of not supposed to happen? Yeah, there's one play where what you just described happened, and it's the exact same play in which Greg lost it in the sun. So it was unfortunate from all aspects. Um, we did some movement things last week and uh, presented that team with a different look than they've seen. Um, yeah, by design, you're never trying to just let those guys run free. But if you go back and look at that play, that punter almost gets hit in the face with the snap. Because when we fired our corners out there, he looked out, and all of a sudden the ball basically hit him in the chest. He got it out late. I mean, it goes from this ball may, if it's off target, I mean, the heck of a snapper that they have, it's right here. But if it, if it was off at all, I don't know that that guy ever sees it. Um, you do those things to distract and give people different looks and have them prepare for things. And, you know, I, I don't ever put stuff in the game plan that says, boy, I hope they see this three weeks from now and, and hope that, you know, you're going for whatever that moment calls for. Uh, we hadn't put anything like that on tape in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's a trade-off. The more people that you rush, the less people you can have hold up their gunners. That's one of the risks. I mean, they could also raise up and throw it. That's probably a, a bigger risk. And you calculate that stuff with uh, what you're anticipating seeing and kind of what the team has done uh, in the past. We just, we hadn't done that. And we're trying to do some things to kind of make a play here and there. And I uh, thought it was worth the risk. And um, all those other things happen. And the offense got the ball back, but it wasn't great. Last week, about certain guys playing a lot of this percentage of snaps. Mm -hmm. I think Sunday there were three that played every one. Right. Was that as much of a product of that there were no field goal attempts or extra points? Yes, because all those guys continued to have the same role. Um, so it wasn't that they played more, it was there weren't those other plays to make that percentage drop. Like, I think we've had some games where guys have played as many plays as what those guys did. Um, but yeah, that was a result of the field goal thing. Is there a I know you've got a veteran operation with, with Aaron and, and Prater and, and Gillikin at this point, and I know they get chances to practice in, in, in during the week. Is there any part of you, I mean, you want the points that would come with field goals and extra points, but aside from that, is there any part of you that's kind of like, man, I wish we would have gotten a chance to work on the operation in a game situation a couple of times that we just didn't get this week? No. Not really. I mean, the more that your field goal extra point team is on the field, the better. And we don't usually control that. Obviously, with uh, with the kicking game, we can score. We can uh, have plays that result in points. But you don't feel like, man, that was a missed opportunity. Um, we're going to have to play in outdoor conditions again uh, here in a couple weeks. So. Um, yeah, you'd like to get some of that game experience, but I, I don't really feel like, man, we missed an opportunity because we didn't uh, get it done in the game there. I think Blake had nine punts. How many punts have you seen from a player in one game? Boy, that's a question now. Um, I know, I know. I, know. Way I mean, Andy Lee, his rookie year, maybe 108 for this season. There was like a 112 or a 130. You guys can go back and look at it, but 
I've certainly seen nine in a game, and I, I don't know what the most I've punted a game, but I would say I'd set the over under at 12 and a half. <laughs> yeah, feel free. That is a lot, a lot, a lot of punts. Um, yeah, that's quite a bit. That's everything coordinators. Now we'll move on to um, uh, Jonathan Gannon from uh, from yesterday and uh, get things started off. And um, I think uh, he has a Kyler update for us. How's it feel just getting Connor back out in the practice field? Good, good. Uh, excited to see him out there today. Uh, he'll go through the week of practice, see where it goes. Was it like last year, week five, preparing potentially to face Kyler Murray as a defensive coordinator? Hard because of his skill set. Considering all the injuries to the offensive line, how beneficial is it to have a veteran like Kelvin Beecham in that room? Huge, yeah. Beach has played a you know a, a, a good role for us. Um, you know, obviously a productive <laughs> player, a guy that we feel good about going in there and playing. So uh, glad we have him. This is some of the least he's played over the previous couple seasons, obviously with uh, DJ and PJ on the other side of the offensive line. How do you think he's kind of embraced that new role? He's been excellent. He's an ultimate pro. Uh, I talk to him a lot. I pick his brain a lot. Um, he always has a good viewpoint of what's going on and and things like that. So he's been a huge resource for me. Sure. The James plays this weekend. Oh, we'll see how the week goes. Any updates on DJ or Will? Not right now. We'll see how the week kind of goes with all those guys. Do you expect him already to practice this week? We'll kind of see how the week goes. What's your just general excitement level of getting to watch Kyler today? kind of phase of his comeback? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it. It'll be, we got a good day, good week of practice set up, laid out for us, and um, he's he's probably more excited than me. Yeah, maybe not. It's, uh, level of excitement's high. James likes to get after it in practice. I mean, do you have to kind of scale it back a little bit? Yeah, he, well, that's why he is who he is. You know what I mean? That's why he's a very productive, really good player because of the way he practices and prepares. So, and that, I think, trickles down to the team, you know, and that's one of the reasons he's a captain. But um, because of his habits on a daily basis, you know, he's a, he displays winning behavior day in and day out. Um, so, yeah, we'll be smart about how we do things with him, but we'll see how he responds today. Talk a lot about complementary football and, of course, special teams. How, how much of a loss for those units is, is Bobby Price? Yeah, I mean, we had to put him on IR, had a little bit of a quad, but um, he's been playing good football for us. So um, we've got to pick up the slack with some other guys. Is that something you've seen over the years just with special teams coaches and how many times they have to really adjust because of guys coming up or down? Yeah, there's no doubt that's a really good point, Howard, because that's, you know, you know, with guys, just like you just said, guys going up and down and getting reps where they need reps and being able to execute what the job description is. But, you know, honestly, Jeff and Sam do a really good job. We have those, you know, we do some different things with developmental periods and things like that, get them live reps um, because reps are gold. So uh, we feel good about who's going to go out there. What's the best case scenario for Kyler short term in the rest of the season? Um, I would think just to get comfortable with what he's doing and produce, you know, and make sure that we stay healthy and, um, which he's done a really good job with. Um, 
but uh, you know, take it day by day. He's not wearing a brace. Uh, are you okay with that? Yeah. Sometimes the guys who are on IR a little bit out of sight, out of mind. I'm just curious with with John Gaines and what the progress has been. With yeah, him. he's in there every day. Um, he's not out of sight, out of mind. I know why you say that, but yeah, we get all those guys. I mean, from LJ to Celos to Elijah to Zach Ertz, they're in there. Um, so, and sometimes they go away to get some different treatments, things like that. Um, but uh, they're very much a part of the team. Can you ask Kyler's mental awareness about what his body is now compared to what it used to be? I'm sure there was a time when you had to come to grips with that. Has he done that yet? Do you think that's an ongoing process? I think that's an ongoing process. You know, I mean, even the first time, you know, truthfully, the mock game in Cleveland was cold and rainy and damp, and he responded a little bit different to that, you know. And um, so he'll, he'll continue to have those type of things as he gets going. Uh, I've never had a knee, but I know that you know the, you listen to the people that really know know about it, and that will be an ongoing process. You've uh, prepared for Taylor, Taylor Heineke before. What is it that he can just? He just seems like he battles out there. He's yeah, he plays fast and he can make off schedule plays. You know what I mean? So he uh, he can move around, make plays with his legs. Um, He's, he's, he's got a strong arm, so he can push the ball down the field, um, both on time and, and you know, off schedule. Um, and I know he's very, very smart, and he operates well, so big challenge ahead. You indicated after Sunday's game, right after that, you're going to take, I think you said you're going to be more involved in the offense. No, right? I never said that. Something like that? No. no. OK. No. All right. I don't think I'm going to start calling plays anytime soon. No, I I have our no to, um, you know I um, I've kind of come to a process that I handle with the offense, with the position coaches, and with Drew, with the players that I'm comfortable with right now, and uh, I'm really a resource to help those guys. Um, And but just so you guys know, anything that goes on on the field, I am okay with. So that, and it's not like, but they have full autonomy to do what they do. The coordinators I'm talking and the position coaches, but I'm in lockstep of if you guys think, oh, they shouldn't have did that. JG's probably mad. That's never the case. Like I know exactly what's going on on the field and those guys have my backing 100%. Overall, overall, what do you see from this Falcons team? Yeah, well, offensively, they're top three in explosives. They generate explosives. They got some unique skill guys um, that they deploy differently. Um, You guys didn't do your research. Uh, Two years, I shared an office this big with their head coach. And um, he was the offensive quality control. I was defensive quality control in Tennessee. So he's... um, you know, he's committed to running the ball and finds creative ways to do that. And then when you say, you know what, we're going to stop the run, he throws it over your head. So it's a very hard scheme to go against. And he's got good skill. It's well coached. Um, that would I say what about the offense, the defense, you know, hired a new coordinator from New Orleans. Um, they bought some players, some premier players this offseason. Um, they, they got good skill, all three levels. They mix up looks. They do a good job of rushing cover. Uh, they good. They do a really good job on first down efficiency to get you behind the sticks, and um, so we got to make sure we play the game on our terms. 
Um, special teams, they do a couple different things as far as with their return units. Um, so we got to be able to combat that a little bit. And, um, and as always, I think to play penalty free uh, and generate some explosives in the, in, on fourth down, that, that's helped our team immensely. What's that going to be like facing him personally and then professionally knowing him how he thinks? I mean, it goes into you turn over every stone, but, um, you know, he's an enemy on Sunday. What goes into your defense being so successful with tackles for loss? I think it's a combination of, of execution and technique, you know. So, um, you know, the guys understand when, you know, their number's called, when possible plays like that can come up. That's a really good question. Um, but we don't scheme in a way to say, hey, let's have, you know, a bunch of TFLs, you know. But with saying that, they know that in certain calls, they're going to get a one-on-one -on -one and have a, the, the possibility of certain play types, those things to happen. So I think it's those guys understanding where they fit into the call, the strength and the stress, and then executing if those things do come up. Drew mentioned yesterday sending a text to Josh after that game Sunday when you saw what happened, that whole thing. What what was your reaction? Yeah, he played well. I mean, he played well. He made a lot of off-schedule plays, you know, watching the game, the Atlanta's defense, you know, seeing that happen on tape. Um, but not surprising, honestly. You feel like that quarterback room is getting more comfortable after kind of a hectic week last week? Whose quarterback room? Your quarterback room. I mean, just with the change, the trade. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, though, they handled it in stride. You know what I mean? We, we – you know, made the decision to go with Clayton or, or Kyler, and then the trade presented itself, which that's what we ended up doing, brought Jeff back. Um, I like how they handled the week. I like how they're going to handle this week. They know the plan moving forward. And, you know, those guys, Clayton came back in the building yesterday or Monday or Tuesday, and, you know, I need to improve on these things in practice. How can I do it? You know, it's all of our guys. They're very self-aware. They want to improve their game so they can help the team. With your quarterback coming back now, is it kind of a a reset of sorts for this team with kind of pre-Kyler now coming forward? No, I don't see it like that. I see it as we got to put all our energy and focus into beating Atlanta. With Kyler's return and the expected offensive boost, how does that benefit the other side of the football for you guys? I mean, you know, I, I, I don't – we got to play clean football in all three phases, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I don't I, – we got to do our job on defense and special teams. doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Uh, we had a couple of players that also spoke to the media, and so we'll start it off with uh, Hollywood Brown. Uh, excited. Um, you know, he's been practicing for a few weeks. He's been looking good. So I think everybody's just excited to uh, see what he can do. What's, what's it been like, the anticipation to, to see him working for almost a calendar year to get back? And, and now, I mean, do you see a little spring in his step? Oh, definitely. Uh, just the excitement, just the uh, Really good to see him back for himself. Like you know, being away from the game is never easy, and for him to see the work he done put in, just for him to be able to just practice with us leading up to the game has been fun. Hollywood, you've always mentioned he's the same Kyler, but when did you know like okay, that's the same Kyler out there? I think when when he first got to practice with us and uh, throwing routes on air, like just how it comes off his arm, just you know the the anticipation he got is just nobody's like him. Do you send some extra juice? out there leading the huddle and just having him back? Oh, yeah. Everyone's excited. Everyone's juiced up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. What's he like in the huddle? Uh, 
you know, his first time, you know, calling the plays to us, like, live. So he he been excited about it. You know, he smiled when he called the plays. It's, it's pretty funny. Is, is there any doubt in your mind that he'll play on Sunday? I don't, I don't, I don't think there's no doubt in my mind. I think he's going to play. How has it been picking up with the timing and, and whatnot? I know you guys have thrown a lot together over the years. Is it is it like he never never left, or was there a ramp up? I mean, for me, it's like he never left. I mean, I spend the whole time in Baltimore. I link up with it in the summer, and he throw me the ball. Just how he throw it to me always. So I feel like it's more of just grasping the offense, uh, seeing things, uh, getting comfortable with the checks and stuff like that. You, you mentioned grasping the offense. I mean, it's one thing to be learning about it in the yeah. meeting room, but how has he translated it to the field? Is he, has he been pretty good at spitting everything out, yeah. getting guys in, in where they should be? Yeah, I can feel like they've been putting in a lot of work, uh, yeah. you know, behind the scenes because he, he hasn't missed a beat out there. He's uh, pretty on top of everything. You've seen a lot of that work, Kyle. How much work has, has he put in to get back to this point? A lot of work. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I don't really miss a day. Like, I asked him, like, a few weeks ago, I'm like, do you get any off days? Like, because every time I see him, he's been working ever since the off season. So, he's, he's been he's been good. Do other guys notice that? Like, that your quarterback is putting that much work to, to get back and is not going to feed off that in a way? Yeah, I think everybody notices. I mean, if you come in early, if you come in a little later, you're going to always see him in the same areas, you know, working out. Um, and then when he wasn't practicing with us, just working on the on the off field, on our off days. If you come in, he's in here. So I think everyone noticed that you know he's been putting in a lot of work. Have you seen a change in him just as a guy having to go through all this just to get back on the field? Uh, I feel like you know probably more hungry. Uh, you know, being away from the game. And I know the competitor he is, you know, you hear a lot of guys' name, you hear, you know, the bad talk, this and that. He a competitor, and I feel like he's hungry to, to go out here and play. Does this kind of feel like a new start to a season with him coming back, potentially being in there and you guys having eight games together, kind of a fresh start? Uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, with him being back, you know, it's a chance to see, you know, what we got, uh, what we could do. Um, and as an offense, keep growing, keep learning each other for sure. Mike Wilson a few weeks ago mentioned that like when he was get a water break, he he kind of watched Kyler say, "Man, ball comes out nice." And a few other guys have been surprised, like, "Wow, is it always like that? Yeah. Is it amusing for you to kind of hear people talk like that?" Yeah, definitely. Because I be telling them in the meeting rooms and all that, I'm like, "Oh, well, Kyler out there, this will do this, and this and this will happen." So for them to see it is, is pretty funny. You know, Mike Mike over there, Mike excited. He ready to go. Uh, Mike Michael Wilson probably gonna have a big week this week. You know, he missed last week, so he's itching to get out there and. Uh, Play. <laughs> what, have, what are you gonna be like most looking forward to on Sunday with him and his return? Uh, I'm really just happy for him to be out there. Uh, I mean, for him to just be back on the field, be able to play the game. Uh, not for me, for the, the whole NFL. It's a blessing when he's out there playing. Do you, do you think there's a, do you think he's misunderstood for some of the things that are, I mean, that are out there that are said about him? Oh, definitely, 100%. Uh, I said that when I first got here uh, from the East Coast, coming out here and, and hearing things. I was like, I asked him as a friend, like, why is this happening or why are people saying this? And for him, it's, I mean, he don't he don't know. And for him, it's just play his game and, you know, winning, winning cures all, you know. So that's that's been our goal since I've been here is to establish a winning culture and get back on track of winning. What was the conversation like when you guys just in the practice, you walking off? 
of just now. Uh, I think he wanted me to get some extra routes in, uh, throw a little extra, and uh, just trying to get on the same page on some stuff. Early and often. <laughs> Early and often, for sure. <laughs> that was Hollywood Brown. Here's Michael Wilson. I mean, it was very tough. I didn't want to. One of my goals this year was to not miss any games, but obviously we play a very physical, violent game, and uh, just my shoulder got a little banged up um, in the Baltimore game. So I just needed a week to to kind of recuperate and let it heal. How are you training for this week? You feel pretty good? So I feel pretty good, taking it one day at a time. But the healing's coming along, um, honestly, a lot faster than I thought, um, a lot quicker than I anticipated, but I'm feeling really good. Hollywood said he feels pretty good about you having a good game with Kyler over there. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> um, I think it's it's going to be pretty special to play with with Kyler. Obviously, he's a very, very talented quarterback, um, plays at a high level. And so um, I think we have to anticipate probably some growing pains just because we all haven't been out there yet. And knowing that it's his first game back and not having played in a long time, like I know what that feels like being out for that long of a time. It's like... Basically, it's like playing a first preseason game on limited practices, too, because he just started practicing a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I think we as a receiver core have to, you know, take a, an extremely gritty approach this week um, and take complete ownership because we have to excel at our jobs to make his job easier because obviously he's got a lot going on. When you first saw him, saw him slinging the ball around a couple weeks ago, were, were you kind of eyebrows raising? Damn, you know? For sure. I think uh, there's certain guys that you play with um, quarterbacks I'm speaking about, um, they got a certain zing on the ball, right? Like it jumps out of their arm, and Kyler has that about him. Certain highly touted quarterbacks have that 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 sort of poise with the ball, and it, it's noticeably different than their counterparts that they throw with. Yeah. How, how was practice today when he was just out there, obviously, with the ones a whole lot more? What, yeah. How was that for you and everybody? It feels great. I mean, it feels great. Um, Obviously, he's the leader of our franchise, and so um, I feel like there's a different feel when um, he's commanding the offense, a different type of leadership, different presence, um, just sort of like a, that star power effect when he's in there commanding the offense. How's your relationship with him? Obviously, you guys haven't had any games together, yeah. but how's that relationship like? Great relationship. I mean, Kyler's easy to get along with. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, since I got here, he's been nothing but supportive, even though he hasn't been on the field. but continually asking me how I'm doing, um, you know, how my rookie season's been going, giving me tips and pointers and stuff like that. So we have a great relationship and I think it's gonna it's gonna continue to grow and probably excel um, over the next ten weeks when we're out there together. It's one thing to learn an offense in a classroom, but how has he verbalized it in the huddle and, and got the plays out and got guys in the right positions? Honestly it's been seamless. Um, you'd probably anticipate a guy being out and not like there's nothing that can simulate being on the field, right? Like no amount of meetings can simulate it, no amount of mental work or mental preparation away from the game. Like when you get actually in between the light, the white lines and it's time to snap up your chin strap and, and go, like there's nothing that can really prepare you for that moment. And I think he's done an outstanding job of being ready for that moment. Um, there hasn't really been any hiccups with calling plays, with reads, with missed throws. Like he's been on point since he's got touched the field. So that's been really impressive to see. Uh, next and last, we'll go with uh, Trey McBride. Does it sort of feel like you guys are hitting the reset button a little bit when you have Kyler back this yeah, week? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kyler coming back is a huge uh, asset for our team. You got James coming back as well. It just kind of feels like uh, rejuvenated, rejuiced, and uh, 
obviously, you know, going in to win this game and uh, have those two guys back will be a huge key to this offense. It's kind of like in the huddle. Uh, he's great, yeah, and he's uh, exactly what I remember him. He's a, he's a freak athlete. He's a guy who makes plays happen. And, um, you know, obviously it's a little different with the different quarterback in there, the way he does his rolls around and stuff. But he's uh, it's been good. I'm excited to have him back. Do you guys feel like as, as pass catchers that you'll have a little bit more on your shoulders just with Kyler trying to get back into the swing of um, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, it's just another game, same game plan. I just feel like, you know, the opportunity is going to be there. He's going to make some plays happen. Uh, something about Kyler, you know, he makes plays um, happen when there's not much going on. He can scramble. He'll make plays uh, after, you know, things go bad. He'll make something happen out of it. So as, patch, as pass catchers, we got to be ready to for scramble drills, for, for things to happen after the play, things like that, because Kyler will make something happen out of nothing. Do you feel more energy at practice with him back? You know, I don't feel, uh, I mean, yeah, I feel more energy, obviously, but uh, the same thing, it's just another week, going to go in there, try to win this game, do everything we can to win this game. Obviously, with Kyler back, with uh, JC back, guys like that, uh, there is a little more juice, a little more energy, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, just another week. Think this scheme fits him because it's definitely different than last year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think Kyler makes plays happen. Like I said, he uh, we do a lot of movement stuff. We get the quarterback uh, moving, and and obviously we throw the ball and run the ball. So with him in there, I think we'll be very dynamic. We'll be able to do a lot of everything, and I'm excited to uh, to have him. Apologies if you answered this yet, but the touchdown from a couple weeks ago, can you kind of take us through before you got pushed about five, ten yards into the end? Yeah, um, yeah, Josh Josh had told me when we got in the huddle, um, I'm throwing you this ball if it's too high. Um, And it was too high, and I knew he was going to throw me the ball. I just had to go in. I caught that ball. Caught it across the safety's face, and then, you know, I was like, got a couple yards, and I kind of got stuck, and I was like, they're going to blow this dead. They, I'm kind of in there pushing, driving my feet. They never blew it dead, and um, I just kept going, kept going, and I felt that second win from those big old linemen. They came and pushed me in the back, and uh, once I knew that they, once I felt that, I knew I was getting in. So it was uh, very cool. I was very thankful for those guys to help me get in there. Is the arms up thing becoming a celebration thing? <laughs> you know, I don't really think much after I score. I just kind of, whatever happens, happens. So yeah, I guess the arms up is, uh, the new thing, so yeah. <laughs> How competitive was Kyler today in practice? Just getting out there, knowing he's QB one again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he took, he kind of picked up right where he left off. He um, he was electric. He did a great job, and uh, it was a lot of fun uh, to have him out there. Um, obviously, he's he's doing his thing. He's he's trying to get back in the swing of things and trying to get back on page with everybody. So um, there's a little growing pains and stuff there, but he's been great. He's uh, he's done a great job. A lot of uh, positive feedback from all of the uh, uh, players, especially uh, Hollywood Brown. He's still on that, that um, Kyler's misunderstood. And and I've, you know, a lot of what he's brought on him, they don't understand as well. It's, you know, self-inflicted. And, uh, you know, so... Of course, he's going to have his back, but it, you know, no doubt in his mind that he's going to be out there. But, you know, and then you have Trey McBride that, you know, feels pretty confident, but also says, hey, there's some growing pains too. And it's understandable. It's well over a year since he's, you know, practiced or been on the field or done anything uh, super uh, productive and physical. So, uh, there, you know, there, there's a lot to... A question and and well, quite frankly, uh, a lot to um, wonder what you can I- expect. Bigly and Marotta, Bigly and Marotta, Bigly and Marotta mornings. Air 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigly Blast. There are bigger stories than Kyler Murray. In fact, yesterday a reporter asked Bill Belichick if he was coaching for his job this weekend. Now that's something you never expected to hear. There are also bigger quarterback returns than Kyler Murray, namely Aaron Rodgers, who might make a semi-miraculous return in time to lead the Jets on a Super Bowl run. But in the confines of State 48, this is a pretty big deal because there are haters, and you all know who you are, and they're already warning us that Modern Warfare, Warfare 3 drops on Friday, which means Kyler Murray will surely be distracted. And then there are the people who still make fun of his height and his wardrobe and his study habits, and the list goes on and on. There's also a chance that Murray will not resemble the previous dude by design because there's a chance they will have him confined to the pocket, at least in the early stages, confined to making plays with his arm. But I still think we are going to glean a great deal from watching Murray's return on Sunday. His hunger, his happiness, his body language, it's all going to be there on display, and I want him to look like the guy he says he is. A guy that missed football terribly and didn't realize how much he loved the sport. Because there's also a chance that Kyler Murray lights it up, that he makes the Cardinals complete, and that he turns them back into a winning operation. And if that happens, I really hope Kyler Murray has kept all receipts. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. He leads um, a little bit more by example, I would say. Um, and knowing that that was a tough bridge for him, I think, because... You know, just not being out there with the guys, you know, that's a little bit different leadership role. Uh, and he's obviously a captain for a reason, but just navigating that, you know, on a day to day basis is, is a challenge, you know, at times for anybody. Um, that's he and that he has embraced and done a really good job, in my opinion, um, as the head coach. What I've asked him to do, he's done. And um, I think he's excited to get back in, in the huddle. Um, and assume a little bit of that leadership role being in the huddle as well. It's Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Cardinals, yesterday explaining how Kyler Murray has maintained his leadership ability even while injured, and we get our first look at it, and you brought up a lot of things that still people go to. Their their go-to arguments against mm. Kyler Murray, Call of Duty, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heights, Study clause, uh, all of it. Modern Warfare Three. Yeah, it's all. It's, <laughs> it's all, all there. It's all in the game, Vinny. Yeah. It's a popular video game phrase. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think I do think that there's more doubters than there are people who believe that he is going to make it out of this and be a franchise quarterback. And and that to me is what makes this fascinating because there was a time when his skill set was something nobody had ever seen in the NFL. What he did extremely well was something that nobody seemed to have an answer for. And there was a time early on when, it's, when it seemed the Cardinals made scoring 30 points a game look easy. And that was early in his career, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I just, I think I, I really want to see what Kyler Murray is like. And, and you said it for a while. You wanted to see what Cliff Kingsbury looked like without Kyler Murray and what Kyler Murray looked like without Cliff. You're going to get part one of your answer this weekend. At least... At least the early returns for it. Yeah, I don't know if I'll Kingsbury. ever. Kingsbury. I don't know if I'll ever see what a Cliff Kingsbury offense looks like without Kyler Murray in the NFL. No, but I, I will don't get think this so. half of the equation. Yes, starting on Sunday. Yeah, 
Yeah, and so this is, I, I think it's coming at the perfect time. I, I know that the Cardinals, in terms of being a compelling story, um, it's been like a slow leak in the tire, but I think it kind of hit critical mass over this past weekend, and, and that is with a, with a fifth-round draft pick going up against an elite defense, team couldn't even move the football. Historically bad. One of the worst offensive displays in about five decades. And, and, and it wasn't any individual's fault. It was a collective thing. But, but there could be a lot of damage going forward if there's not some stability at that position. Absolutely. Um, you, you talked about you know, Kyler Murray when he was right and things were going well. Scoring 30 points, that was, that was a no-brainer. It has been 19 games since the Cardinals have scored more than 29 wow. points. Wow. The last time was the Thursday night game last year against the Saints. They scored 42. That was the first time they had gone over 40 points in Cliff Kingsbury's tenure. And since Kyler got hurt, uh, 13 in that game, 15, 16, 19, 13 to wrap up the year, uh, then 16, 28 twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Since then, 16, 20, 9, 10, 24, and 0. Yeah. Um, listen, so I, I do think one thing that we're going to see right away is it's going to be good to see a quarterback who can drive the football down the field. Mm-hmm. Because even Josh Dobbs at his best kind of had a, a, I won't say a jello arm, but it wasn't strong. It wasn't a, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't a drive the football down no, the field and kind of right. Kyler Murray's got that arm talent. You saw the accuracy issues when he did try to drive the ball down the field, especially early on in Josh Dobbs' tenure at the beginning of the season. You know, a couple of long shots to Hollywood Brown just never materialized because the throws were inaccurate. Uh, that is something. I mean, I went back and I looked at some of the pro football focus numbers about how ugly uh, Sunday was in Cleveland. Cardinals' lowest offensive grade of the season, not surprisingly, 345 it was 21 points lower than their previous low grade of the year. Mm. 21 points. Wow. Uh, it wow. was the highest single grade for the defense as a collective this year. So if you want to examine <laughs> this continues, that separation between offense and defense can bury locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clayton Toon threw only three of his 20 passes more than 10 yards down the field. Yeah, ten he yards never, isn't even. But he never had never had time. He had never had any time to do anything. He was one of three for fourteen yards and a pick on those three throws. Yeah. Under pressure, he was one of seven for one yard and threw two more interceptions. I give him credit for not just walking out the locker room door and and out in the parking lot at halftime. Burns and Gambo asked Jonathan Gannon yesterday, you know, what is Toon's demeanor? Uh, you know, is he is he beaten after yesterday's game? No, he's he's good, man. This guy, that's why we drafted him. He's got major confidence and knows that he needs to keep working on his game, but he didn't blink at all. When it wasn't going well, he didn't blink. Uh, he was getting the adjustments. He battled in there all the way until the, you know, the horn went off, but uh, I was proud of him. And, and trust me, like he, he's, he's going to, he's going to do well for us. I go back to last week and I say this tongue in cheek and with a, with a little bit of a sheepish grin. I remember Jonathan Gannon's comments last week. He's going to get in there and let it rip. If that was letting it rip, yeah. holy moly! Oh yeah, no, <laughs> there, there was yeah, there was no ripping going on. No, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I was I was a little I I thought because we saw him do that in the preseason, he was pretty fearless in delivering the football. 
Yes. Clayton Toon was. He just didn't have a I mean, he had didn't have a chance. Are you suggesting that preseason football is different from regular <laughs> yes, season football? I am. Um what was I going to say there? Oh. Uh big difference, you know, some of the stats here in them between Kyler Murray and when he's in, when he's not versus Josh Dobbs versus um, Clayton Toon is big, big, big difference. Um, Kyler, we all know he's most of effective when he can use his legs. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a, a knee injury. So, what, you know, how much, and, and, and of course, um, Drew and was, was asked about it, how, how effective will Kyler be with his legs? And, and again, he was on with Burns and Gamble yesterday. JG is on with them every Monday talking about maximizing Kyler's skill set. I think Drew and I will be lockstep how he's going to call the game, but we're going to maximize his skill set. So, um, you know, obviously if he's out there, we feel he feels good enough, we feel good enough that he's physically ready to play, mentally ready to play, and we'll use him accordingly. What might that look like, Logan? <laughs> you want to answer this question? No, no, I, 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 I want you to talk. I want you to actually I, I, I say something. I don't want to derail where you're going with this, but I, I feel like I'm surprised I haven't heard this brought up yet, and I'm sure it has been and it will be brought up all week. I wonder if there's any hesitation to let him run. Because I can tell you, I don't really want to send him out there and be like, all right, you're running for your life. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm – Assuming if they're putting him out there, he's physically 100%. And yeah. Kyler Murray, physically 100%, at least feels comfortable to take off and run if he needs to. Let Kyler Murray book, as in book it, right? As in Devin Booker? <laughs> How about, no. See the shots that I took. Wet like I'm booked. No, I don't mean it like that, though, uh, honestly. Not book, so to speak, okay? Let Kyler Murray book, as in book it. Forget about let Ross cook. <laughs> let Kyler Murray book, okay. as in book it. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Hey, book it over there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, of course. It's, I think right? that's an East Coast and, you know, thing, isn't it? it? Yeah, I think, I think it right. is, yeah. But I have heard it. <laughs> it might be right there. Anyways, Google it, my young Crocs, right there. Okay? <laughs> Go on your East Coast um, Google. Kyler Murray in 12 personnel. I was talking a little bit about this right now. I think we're going to see an awful lot of 12 personnel. Yeah, I think we're going to see it out there. Uh, Trey McBride, of course, and Jeff Swaim. I think we'll see a lot of that. Um, and Elijah Perkins, or Higgins, I should say, as well. He's getting a little bit more rep action right now. I think we're going to see him from time to time as well. But you can run the ball out of shotgun. You can put him under center, whatever it may be. But I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. And one of the reasons why is because Kyler needs to improve in regard to throwing the ball down the field. Now think about last year. No. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to. Oh, my goodness. Kyler, what is wrong? The year before that, year three, Kyler was throwing the ball down the field so well, and he was doing it even from the pocket. Blown away by that. And not so much, again, in year four. So he needs to get back to throwing the ball down the field. And anytime you're going to do that, you need play action, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what? With 12 personnel, one back and two tight ends, you can go eight-man protection a lot. Eight-man protection, max protection, and release two receivers into the pattern. Hollywood Brown. 
Big Wolf's Playbook for Dummies. Eight man, also known as Max Protection. Eight men physically protecting the quarterback with a check down late by the running back. <laughs> right on, Mel. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and why not take some shots down the field? His accuracy two years ago was fantastic down the field. So he's got to get back to doing that. And out of 12 personnel, you can do it. And also, move the pocket. Move the pocket with Kyler Murray. Little half rolls. You know, I'm not talking about just pure sprint outs or bootlegs and waggles. Also, just little half rolls. Move the pocket around. Keep the defender guessing as to what you're going to do. Don't let him ever get a feel. I can tee off on this. Yeah, well, <laughs> that that to me is the biggest key. And and Atlanta's defense, like you said, is good. Um, it's decent. It's, it, they don't have Miles Garrett, so that's that's certainly a good starting point. And the other part about this that's it's this is the next chapter for Kyler Murray. I understand that he has been around the team, and that's great. I understand that he and Jonathan Gannon and Drew Petzing and all these guys and you know, they they've all spoken. I understand that that's all great, but now we're actually going to see him play for a coach that isn't Cliff Kingsbury for the first time in his NFL career. And we're going to see how different that looks. And we're not going to see it all on Sunday, but Sunday's the start of it. Uh, One more from Jonathan Gannon talking about just kind of talking things out with Kyler Murray. It's probably me more picking his brain more than him picking mine. But, um, yeah, I think there's always, there's, you know, I've always been a believer in that. You know, I have our coaching staff does a good job of asking different sides of the ball, what's going on, input, information, things like that. And from, you know, the quarterback perspective, from his eye, um, I'm very intrigued to hear what he has to say about certain things and vice versa too so it's been a really good uh back and forth i like gannon so far but let's not pretend that he wasn't brought here to get the most out of kyler murray or you know whoever they ultimately go with at the quarterback position if they make a a switch there in the offseason so this is now the the first this is the first insight first glimpse we're going to get into really what he can do with kyler murray Absolutely, I agree, uh, especially with that last point. Um, several questions, several questions uh, regarding Kyler Murray, what is it going to look like, you know, how much running he's going to do. Um, let's uh, dive into that just a little bit more. Cardinals did make it official. They activated Kyler Murray off the physically unable to perform list. I did, just for laughs, uh, decided to go check ProFootballTalk.com. Okay. Just to see if Mike Florio had anything he wanted to say about, you know, Kyler Murray. That's the guy that said he wasn't going to play this year, right? one of the guys who said, speculated that he might not play this year. He may not play this year. I just wanted to see if there was anything from Mike. There wasn't. When he plays Mm. on Sunday against the Falcons, and it sounds like we're both going to be there, uh, credentialed and in the press box, to watch that game yes questions will start to get answered and our our own cardinals beat writer tyler drake i thought did a really really good job this morning on arizonasports.com kind of talking about some of the questions that we're going to have about kyler murray that we're going to start to get answers to i read the piece you read the piece it was a good one what is and i'll give mine after you give yours the number one question you want answered about kyler murray starting on sunday what do you want to see? How he how he moves. Okay. 
how he moves? Is he tentative when he runs? Okay. Is he can he is he one. just gonna run in a straight line or is he gonna make all those crazy cuts that allow him to juke guys out? Like I wanna see what happens when he runs. Is it just a straight line? Because straight line, or is he gonna zig and zag and peel back and so you know the throwing of the ball? I mean, look, I watched Aaron Rodgers last night throwing the ball. Like I just had tore his Achilles. And they were warming up on the sideline, throwing the football. I'm not worried about, okay? I'm not worried about him throwing the football. I'm worried about Kyler Murray. Is he going to run? Are they going to have design runs for him? And when he does run, are you going to see the zig and the zag, or is he going to be more just straight line? That is a great question. Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator of the Cardinals today. How much will you know if Kyler trusts his knee? I think a lot of that's the communication we've had over the last couple weeks. I mean, he's been great. I mean, he's been practicing at a high level. You see him make those unscripted movements. People are around his feet. He seems very comfortable doing it. So uh, we're not going to put him out there until he feels completely comfortable. Certainly health-wise, he's there. But as you said, there's a mental aspect of that, and that's the communication piece that's so important from him to us and, and back and forth. Will Kyler's running plan be different in his first game back here's the offensive coordinator ultimately no I mean he's healthy he's ready to go we're going to put him in a position to be successful I think that's always the nature when you have a franchise quarterback and you see that around the league when they are very mobile there's an injury risk that's associated with that so we have to manage that as all teams with the elite quarterbacks do um, but he's going to do what puts us in the best position to win the game but as you know infamously Mike Tyson once said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face sure. right yeah and Kyler Murray and Drew Petson can have a plan for Kyler Murray's run game to be standard operating procedure for him but if he gets out there and he's not feeling it if he gets out there and the, the bullets are real and it's it's flying does he instinctively go into protect mode and does he not and he's always been really good at protecting himself but does he not run as much as we're accustomed to seeing does he, he takes off what six seven times a game typically i think throughout the course of his career average sure yeah I, i'm just guessing I, I don't have his stat card in front of me is it less than that is it about the same that I, I agree that's one of the main things to be watching and what type of Sunday. protection do they do they go with a basic protection plan or did they try to put a little extra protection in yeah for kyler first game back do you feel like hey i'm going to keep a running back in the chip i'm going to keep an extra tight end in like what will the protection plans be for kyler murray in this first game um you mentioned the thing that i'm the most curious about when we started off the the whole show talking about kyler murray I want to see Kyler Murray running Drew Petzing's office, offense, and I want to know how that works. I want to see Kyler Murray under center. I want to see Kyler Murray in play action because I'll tell you right now, you look at the numbers, and I got numbers out the wazoo here. Kyler Murray in the early part of his NFL career, this is Cliff Kingsbury, right? Not a lot of play action. Kyler Murray early part of his career, not a lot of under center. So far with Joshua Dobbs and Clayton Toon, what we've seen out of Drew Petzing a lot of play action. We've seen a lot of under center. We've yeah. seen a very kind of standard, for lack of a better word, NFL offense. And you're taking this quarterback who's very used to playing it a certain way. I have to assume that they're going to plug and play Kyler into Petsing's offense that's going to ask him to do these things that he hasn't really done in his NFL career. I can't wait to see how he operates out of those sets. Can't Just, wait. And the RPOs. Yeah. You know, because that's always a big play, RPO, a run-pass option for Kyler. He can either run or he can pass it. You know, what's he going to do? Like, I mean, everything like that, we just want to see. Look, more than anything, come out of the first game healthy. Come out of the first game okay. Because, you know, 
there probably are some doubts in your head. I think it's very normal that there'll be some doubts creeping in about your knee and testing it, that this is much different than practicing, okay, playing in a game. He didn't play in a preseason game. He didn't get a chance to test it in a preseason game. He's only practiced on it. I'm sure they protected him. So now I want to see how, how he, you know, can he overcome the doubts that are creeping in his mind. Here's Petzing on how different the offense will be with Kyler in it. Again, it'd be hard for me to, like, guarantee an answer to that because I think a lot of it's going to be flow of the game and what he's comfortable with and the communication that we are having during the week and on game day. Um, but at the end of the day, as, as we've always talked about, it has to be built around what he's comfortable doing and making sure we're putting him in a position to be himself and be successful. Um, so that's going to be critical. So under center more? Yeah, I, I would say he's been in the shotgun, but I wouldn't say under center is not a strength of his, if that makes sense. He was in an offense that didn't put him under center by nature of the scheme, but I don't think it was any limitation to his ability. So I have no fear of putting him under center. I mean, I'm not going to tell you we're going to be 80, 90, 100% of the time, but he could be under center the first snap of the game, and I wouldn't hesitate. Okay, see that. So he can be under center, but it was. Now, he didn't really fault the other. Regime, he just no, said just it, was different. it was different. It was Their different. Their scheme was to not have him under center. But we all know, I mean, the very basic kind of limitation of Kyler Murray under center versus shotgun. Shotgun, because he's 5'10", he has a chance to look, see, survey, analyze. Identify. The identify. Identify. Under center, you know, where the behemoths, you, 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 and you don't have, you, you got to drop back, and you got to do that while you're in the process. It's just a different deal. And how again? I'm like nerding out. I'm smiling, thinking about this because it's gonna be, it's gonna be a thing to watch starting on Sunday. But that's how much where, do they do it, and how does it work? Right. That's where the third Kyler Murray comes in. You, we talked about this in the first segment. There's been two different Kyler Murrays. There was the Kyler Murray before the injuries, the one the guy was the rookie of the year and had him off to a seven zero start. That was a good Kyler Murray. He was a good quarterback. Then there was the Kyler Murray that wasn't very good. The, the, after the 7-0 start, the failures at the end of the season to win football games, the loss to the Rams, the struggles last year that got Cliff fired. Like, that Kyler Murray wasn't very good. And he had the injury, of course. There is a different Kyler Murray that Drew Petzing's going to get. Drew Petzing's not trying to get the Kyler Murray that we saw for the first half of his career. He's trying to bring out a different Kyler Murray that can do more things and do those things better. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about all that. And last thing of the whole show and of this uh, Cardinals um, uh, segment, if you will. Uh, and the last thing we need to talk about is, is it time? And if it is, why is it time to get excited about the Arizona Cardinals when it comes to Kyler Murray and kind of, uh, you know, uh, talking about what um, Burns and Gambo were at the end, you know, a different version of Kyler, maybe Kyler 2.0. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Hello. 
Hallelujah! The Cardinals return to relevance on Sunday for one big reason. Kyler Murray, the guy that wears number one, the former number one overall draft pick. But if you are expecting a return of the former quarterback who frustrated NFL defenses and polarized the Valley, you are going to be surprised and hopefully in a really good way. Because I spoke with a friend of Murray's earlier this week and he told me that looking back, he is astounded at the personal growth and the difference in Murray from his early years in the NFL, which is to say all of the good stuff you're hearing about Murray's development as a leader and as an engaged teammate is very real. It is not just stuff he's doing to impress his new bosses. It is the inevitable maturity of a kid who grew up in a bubble and on a pedestal, the child king of Texas football, a kid who had to see the world from the other side of the tracks. And that's what this injury did to Kyler Murray. It took football away from him for the first time in his life and until then everything seemed so easy including not losing a football game in high school and playing two sports at a very high level in college so sorry haters it is time to get stoked over Kyler 2.0 and not just the player I'm talking about the man and not the boy all right today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable find them online at ChapmanBMW.com no incomplete passes and five to eight touchdowns a game. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think the big thing is just going to be clean from an operation standpoint of decision making in and out of the huddle, communication with me, communication with his teammates, making sure that his feet are comfortable, his eyes are in the right place, and the ball is going where it needs to go. I think that's going to be a big part of getting his feet back under him as he starts to play at full speed again. It's Drew Patzing, the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. for the Cardinals, best case scenario for Kyler Sunday and the rest of the season. I like the first part of that. No incomplete passes and yeah. five to eight touchdowns a week. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We live with that, right? Those what, those numbers will work. What likely will happen is this will be an eye-opening experience for a lot of Cardinal fans. And a lot of Cardinal fans who have not necessarily been in the corner of Kyler Murray. I am confident uh, he will play well. Mm-hmm. But just that elevation in quarterback play, and I talked about it earlier in the show, this 13-game stretch without Kyler Murray, the Cardinals have had to use five different quarterbacks. And we've seen mediocre at the top end to Mm -hmm. very poor quarterback play over those 13 games. It's going to look like a night and day difference Mm -hmm. with Kyler Murray back. Now, does it lead to wins? It might. Does it need to lead to wins? Uh, You know, that that's what we're going to get into. I think after we see Kyler Murray against the Falcons and for the rest of this season, what, what it all means for for the Cardinals moving forward. But um, that's going to be the first impression that I'm looking for. Is just the night and day difference yeah. in the quality of quarterback. The body play. language. Yes. How about that? The yeah. body language. Yep. That that was one of the very early things that people gravitated to. The poor body language has that changed? Because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that it has and that it will. And and I think that if if you see this coming off Kyler Murray, then you're gonna know that all of this growth happens to be real. And again, I had a lengthy conversation with somebody who's been around Kyler ever since he came to Arizona. And and again, the guy was stunned at the difference in him now versus any other time in his career. And as we talked about earlier, I think a lot of this is just basic maturity for a young kid that, that, you know, again, he was, he lived a very um, sheltered, unique, idolized existence as a young athlete in Texas. You, You all know Friday night, Friday night, Friday night lights. It's a thing. Why? Because Texas football, it's outsized. Everything about it is just crazy important. Texas forever. Don't mess with Texas. 
So as a result here. I thought you were going to go down the road and, and botch the clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose them. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. So I'm I'm real excited about this. I really wish that I uh, could relocate that that thought I had that Jarrett kind of shooed away from me, flew away like a butterfly, oh, yeah. and I can't find it from 19 minutes ago. Yeah, from 19. We were minutes talking ago. about Drew Petzing saying they're not going to change up the game plan. Hold on, S- excuse me, Sarah. Yeah, we need to go to break. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't and don't take ninety seconds to ask a question when it's got to be short. Oh, so, oh, oh! oh it, you don't it, blame me for trying to get you to break on time, guys. So Kyler Murray, I'm this Professor weekend. Carlin, and this is Radio Mechanics 101. Yeah. So the narrative around Kyler Murray, according to the national media, is that the Cardinals are done with him, that the Cardinals are going to trade him, that they're going to play him a little and then sit him down. And mm-hmm. it, right, so there's all of this stuff in the air, and I don't think it's even remotely close to being accurate because I do think Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, Monty Ossendorf. <laughs> who said that, by the way, Jared? Who was that one? Who? Michael Lombardi. Okay, Michael Lombardi. Yeah. So Monty Ossendorf would. Uh, <laughs> if I were Monty Ossendorf, <laughs> I think they all look at Kyler Murray and they're all like. What's wrong with this kid? What, we're, we're, I'll bet you their experience with Kyler Murray is nothing at all like the player that they've heard about and heard whispered about. Because they pro, you know, they're all in the NFL and they're probably like study clause. What's the matter with that kid? And they probably look at him like this kid is all. So my point is, is if Kyler Murray backs it up on the football field, I, I don't see this being a negative in any way, shape, or form. Now, I, I do understand that that the Cardinals have the number one pick in the draft right now, and their second pick, what was it, 16? As Thanks we, a lot, Houston. That's my point. There are a lot of people who thought that was going to be one and two now. And so now, now if you were really kind of honing in on a Caleb Williams or uh, – or, or Drake whoever, May. D- Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr., then you're going to be wanting to protect that. And Kyler Murray might actually win some football games here. But just I, I, I would implore everybody, the best case scenario is for Kyler Murray to come back better than he was before. As good as he was as a player, but better as a leader. That's the ideal situation. And it might happen. It might. Um, again, we don't have a, a full picture of what the Cardinals' mindset on Kyler Murray is future-wise going into this. Like, this is the now. A healthy player plays football. Mm-hmm. You know, could he have played sooner? Probably. But there's still people could've around the country. Could have played a little sooner, Vinny. Yeah, there's Could have been a little sooner. Yeah, my <laughs> God, I don't even mean to do that. The jokes just write themselves after a while on this show. That's how great this radio show is. The jokes write themselves. The greatest. Yeah, Uh, but there are still people asking the question, are the Cardinals making the right move starting Kyler Murray? Here's Jeff Saturday from ESPN again. Yeah, you got to figure this out. I mean, listen, like Kyler Murray is going to be a significant cap hit if you if you try to get rid of. I think it's almost fifty million dollars mm. one way. That, so, but if even if you're going to try to trade him, like they got people got to see that he can go play. Like they got to see that he's healthy and that he can go play. And in, in my opinion, he still might be your quarterback next year. <laughs> like, like let's let's not miss that point. Like this guy could come out, light it up, and you go, okay, we have our quarterback. We're still going to draft extremely high. They're not going to win a whole bunch of games even with Kyler. Like they're one and eight. So wherever they are, end up drafting. Drafting, it's going to be high. Go get a Harrison Jr. Right? Like, like let's go get a do- let's go get a dude. Right? We can go we can go build our team around him if he is our guy. I am not of the mindset that you just go, okay, Kyler Murray is no longer our quarterback. Uh, All right, I caught the butterfly. 
Oh, okay, good. I caught the butterfly. All right, the butterfly is this. If you were the Atlanta Falcons... Break? Okay, let's go to break. <laughs> if you... If you... <laughs> if you were the Atlanta Falcons... You know what the Atlanta Falcons rallying cry is going to be on defense. Mm. They're going to be, every coach in that program is going to be telling every defensive player, they think you're the soft landing. They waited for you. They didn't want any part of Seattle. They didn't want any part of Cleveland. You're the mouse in the house. Yeah. And, And so that's going to be in the air as well, because you know how these coaches work. Yes, and on the Kyler Murray front, we've seen a lot from Kyler Murray in his career. We've seen him win Offensive Rookie of the Year, two Pro Bowls, some amazing individual plays, some unbelievable moments and comebacks. But what we haven't seen yet, and we will see Sunday for the first time, is Kyler Murray take his first snap in a real NFL offense. Mm, Yes. That's what we're going to see. Right. Look at that. Uh, Framing it up like a carpenter, Vinny. I love it. Good stuff. Um, and well, with that, that's that's the show. And another another long one. Um, but I uh, hope you found it entertaining. Um, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm going with. Sorry, it's uh, been a little bit. Um, but uh, um, it's uh, I I don't know. I don't know where I was going. Sorry. Uh, Long day. Long day. I know that. Very, very tired. Uh, So it's time for me to get off here. You guys are busting out laughing, I'm sure, by my lost train of thought. Um, Appreciate you guys listening, as always. Um, And uh, email me if you'd like to. Get involved in the conversation. Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com. That is Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com. And um, we are on um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, Facebook at Big Sky Sports Talk. You can just uh, shoot that over in the. Um, in the search bar and, and it will uh, come come up on your screen and you can follow all the pages and subscribe and um, like them and comment and get involved that that's that's the main goal uh, and then Spotify Apple Google audible iHeartRadio, Amazon music that's just a num- number of the places that you can uh, listen to the show and, and hit that bell notification um and and just uh, uh make yourself um available to um share it to uh listen to it um tell your friends your family your neighbors your enemies about it uh both uh listening platforms and uh social media pages alike uh just uh, help get the word out uh I know, like I said, it was been, been a long one. Hopefully you found it entertaining, and uh, I will uh, talk very soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye.